like audio only podcasts, I like them, but mm-hmm. it requires so much of my attention. And that is not me like shitting on podcasts. I like going on podcasts and doing <laughs> podcasts. It's just I can't listen to them myself. So many possible worlds, but we got this one. So many possible worlds, but we got this one. Welcome to the worst of all possible worlds, the first and only podcast that uh, no one can actually listen to. <laughs> Uh, I'm the worst of all possible Brian's. I'm the worst of all possible Josh's. AJ, sadly, is not joining us. Yes, uh, uh, he wanted me to send everyone a message. He decided to join Barrett's Privateers. He was <laughs> under a a major misconception. This is how they get people roped into the privateering industry. Really? He really thought that he was going to be cruising the seas for American gold. He wasn't going to fire any guns. He wasn't going to shed any tears. But now he's a broken man on a Halifax pier. Uh, He should be back next week. It just takes a while to get back from (laughs) Halifax. Uh, And and, and Brian, obviously, uh, welcome back uh, to you as well. Yes, Uh, I no longer have COVID-19. And and so joining us in our in our third slot today is uh, somebody who we're really excited to talk to. Uh, You may have heard of her from uh, hacking and uh, leaking the no fly list, the United States federal no fly list. Hello, NSA agents. (laughs) That's right. Uh, At the CIA, we love you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Uh, But yes, uh, she is a a hacktivist uh, and and also. A, a tiny kitten in real life. It's, yeah, it's, 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 I, 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 as you can see uh, in the Zoom yeah. call. I'm looking uh, at it right now and can confirm <laughs> that it is a tiny kitten. Uh, yes, it's Maya Arson Crimu. Welcome. Yeah, hi, welcome. I'm glad to be on this podcast. I almost missed it. I forgot it was Sunday, so but, uh, <laughs> I, I made it after all. Thanks for the Twitter DM. I would have literally forgotten about, uh, forgotten about this. Well, Josh uh, and I are good <laughs> Christian boys. We we never forget that it's Sunday. That's right. <laughs> It's the Lord's Day, and and on the Lord's Day, we podcast. (laughs) You've expressed in the past a serious interest in the movie Hackers, uh, the 1997 cult classic, question mark? Uh, 95. Oh, 95. Okay, okay. That's a long time ago at this point. Yeah, I'm willing to make the claim about this movie that it is the most 90s movie to ever exist it's the most 90s movie no one has ever heard of Um, (laughs) yeah yeah to come out of hollywood like it's not an indie movie or something Mm -hmm. this is no it's huge movie it's huge but like angelina jolie and it's angelina jolie being the most lesbian she has ever been in oh my god yes in like her first major uh starring feature film role yeah um every week on this show we do a different case study in the pop culture of a dying empire and the interesting thing about hackers is that this movie really finds itself like at an inflection point in history Mm. right like personal computing was moving into the mainstream uh the internet uh was becoming increasingly popular a few years later you'd get the imac which was sort of the first consumer designed internet first personal computer but at this point the internet was still kind of like a weird thing to most people they'd heard about it there might be jokes about like hey go to i've got this old fucking greeting card that's like it just on the front is a computer and then you open up and it says happy birthday.com on the inside (laughs) because at that point dot com was still a punchline so it's it's like from that yeah. time but the world that it captures is so specific and so weird and it's such a strange yeah. fucking movie 
I, I think the thing I love about the movie, especially, is like as someone I wasn't alive at the time. I, I, sure. I grew oh, yeah. up, like the reason I am into this movie is because I am a part of hacking culture now. I'm a part of that. Com- I'm a part of the culture that's trying to portray. And the right. thing is, this movie is more accurate about the hacking culture nowadays than it was about the hacking culture then. Because ironically enough, Hollywood for once didn't just get culture completely wrong, but then completely changed it for like a weird subculture. Like, right. like yeah. you could not do that with any other sub. Like you couldn't go out and make a bad movie about punks and then all the punks are like, yeah, this is what punk is about now. Uh, <laughs> right. With hacking, you can apparently do that. If you're a United Artists in 95, you can apparently just go out and change hacking culture forever it's it's an objectively not a good movie like Correct. if you look at it as like a, a, a piece of like <laughs> a screenwriting or whatever it's not good no but no that's like why it's why i like it so much it's just, <laughs> it's just it's just like a cultural piece it's like yeah, it's the kind of movie that gets projected on the wall at a bar like yeah. it's not something that you should really watch but like the, the director of this Ian Softly which to is me he's more like Ian Hardly <laughs> yeah he went harder than that movie <laughs> he went hard as a motherfucker dude he what yeah, there we so, go <laughs> Ian Softly was off of his first movie it took him about 10 years to make the movie Backbeat which is a really kind of niche movie about like the Beatles when they were in Germany <laughs> And it's just focusing on them I, at that just, point I'm in time. I'm just starting to see a pattern with this guy making weird niche movies about <laughs> yeah. very specific things. Yeah. This is also the director of K-Pax. <laughs> yeah. He got this movie and he has this great quote where he said, I think his agent told him this. There are three in-demand names in Hollywood when it comes to directors. It's Steven Spielberg, the guy who won the Oscar last year, and the new hot shit on the block. Right. <laughs> and this movie, before it played even in Sundance, somehow all the executives saw this and he became the new hot shit on the block. Like the thing about this movie is I'm not sure how it was made because this is the queerest movie Hollywood has ever released without trying to make a queer movie. Yeah. Like, like how how did a movie with Matthew Lillard playing a trans woman get past Hollywood executives <laughs> right. in 95? Like, Well, and what he said was, what, what Ian Softly said was like, At this point, because of computers and because of these sorts of things, executives and because of like punk and and other things like Mm. this, executives were just green lighting movies that they didn't understand. Like they specifically, Mm. they'd see a pitch Mm. and they'd be like, I don't know what the fuck that is, but that's because I'm an old guy. So the teenagers are going to come right in for this thing. Or or alternately, you end up getting pitched a movie about a Bob Hoskins and Denzel Washington (laughs) teaming up (laughs) as the ghost of a fucking dead attorney and a cop, respectively. (laughs) We're talking about Heart Condition here, which is a movie we recapped for this a while back. But like, yeah, these United didn't make it very long after Pitches. this point. No, yeah. they didn't. So like, yeah, Softly was also some guy who didn't have any clue what this was. And neither, of course, did the screenwriter, but obviously he read some William Gibson uh, yeah. enough to put in a couple of very explicit references to William Gibson. Raphael Moreau also wrote, like, The Rage, a movie no one's heard of. And he was the story editor on the X-Files spinoff, The Lone Gunman, which lasted for a season but did predict 9-11. Uh, <laughs> oh! <laughs> Damn, the wow. got something right for once. Yeah. And they didn't in even do 2001, it in the series. And they it was like five even... months before 9-11 happened. They did their first episode <laughs> is about The Lone Gunman <laughs> stopping a... a uh, computer operated plane from hitting the world trade center oh my god, <laughs> oh god. This, this this just 
Yeah. My, my body is violently reacting to this information. <laughs> <laughs> this idea that he had for hacking then, because they, weirdly enough, had actual consultants on this. They talked yeah, to real right. hackers about this. And like his idea was like, oh, we don't want to depict hacking the way that it is now, we want to depict it not as a nerdy thing, but as the thing that everyone's going to be doing in the future. So yeah, we want to depict like, it as the coolest thing on Earth. And but, this is their idea of what the coolest thing on Earth. Yeah, but it's it's just funny because like, yeah, the hacking community ended up running with it. Like this, yeah, this is like, right. it's even funnier how the hacking community ended up running with it to the point where it's being completely misinterpreted, like mm-hmm. any other big mm-hmm. pop culture piece, because I'm not sure how aware you are of like the information security community and stuff, but there's like this very liberal bit of it that is like very keen on the idea of we are not allowed to call cybercrime hacking because hacking is actually us who protect the Pentagon <laughs> from getting hacked. Uh, and there's this whole hmm. like movement of I'm just going to call them out by name because they're going to know I'm shitting on them anyways. It's literally called Hack Not Crime. And yeah. their line is hacking is not God. a crime, which goes really hard. Hacking but, is not a crime. But then you look and like that goes really hard as a line, yeah. right? And sounds like a cool like thing of like, yeah, we want like less strict shitty laws about like, like computer crime or whatever. But no, this is explicitly about them bullying journalists about calling cyber criminals hackers and being like, we need to call these cyber criminals. This is destroying our image anyways these people love to quote <laughs> hackers and they yeah. always think they're like the hackers and not the plague because like yeah no yes. you are literally the corporate like people protecting like that is literally the job you do like you you are you are not these teenage hackers who are like saving the world from this evil like corporate hacker you are that pl- like this movie couldn't be more clearly anti-establishment than it is. Yeah. Like- well, and I think I think once we get into sort of the recapping, I want to talk a little bit more about like the the the, the competing uh, factions and like how that comes yeah. to a head. But in terms of the consultants, something that you had mentioned before we were rolling, Maya, is that like these consultants basically just came up with ways to fuck with these guys and be like so so the thing is the thing you need to know about hacking even nowadays it's a subculture it's a subculture it's it like like i already compared it to like punks or whatever and and i don't know if punks will like that comparison but like whatever it's a subculture and subcultures hate all the other cultures uh that are like more mainstream and basically if you go out to someone in some sort of subculture be it hacking be it punks be whatever and you ask them like hey we want to make this really big budget hollywood movie about your culture and basically we don't know what it is you're doing can you tell us like one or two things about it you will first of all be very fucking annoyed at that idea because like what are you why are you trying to capitalize on like a like small little thing that we do in our free time and like that that's like our identity yeah Uh, and then you also like the thing you especially do if you're like a hacker and you're into like breaking people and being a little silly with it you will very quickly come to the conclusion that wait i can just troll these people right. really really hard i could just go out and tell them that hackers they go everywhere on roller skates that is a very right. big part of hacking culture <laughs> and they just ran with that everyone in that movie who is one of the hackers is always on roller skates yeah i mean yeah. you gotta have your roller really like if you, hard. It goes if you really don't hard. have your roller blades you're not a real hacker yeah. that's the first thing they do at the door is they they get your your hacker name is the first thing yeah, the handle, and then this, you, you are no one if you don't have a handle if you don't have a handle you gotta be known Joe, yes, obviously <laughs> and then the second thing is they check your roller blades to make sure that your ball bearings are actually spinning correctly. 
<laughs> yeah, you, you need Come a on. handle and you need ball bearings. That's that's all you need to be a real hacker. <laughs> so, Brian, how did this then get from you know this development cycle with public with the studio heads being like, oh wow, this is the future, yeah. so let's m- give it. million or whatever. I mean, this moved so fast and you're right. You're exactly right. It was a $20 million budget. It was made within two years. Like, like it came out a year after his first movie came out. This is unheard of. I mean, it's just so so much part of the machine and you have these people like uh, Ian Softley worked in TV before he did this movie. Mm. Um, And it feels very much like the era of music videos and the era of TV where if you get the right people who are doing that kind of production, they can just churn things out yeah, really sure. fast. No, and it's good, but like bad. Like it's it's horrible. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, no, no, like obviously, like they probably, but like they somehow made a, a culture impactful movie in that time. Mm-hmm. I keep showing it to friends, and just like I need to show this to you. This is my culture, not really, but like it kind of it, it explains. Culture is like, not a costume. Yeah, <laughs> the soundtrack is way too good for this it's movie. So like, good, it's yeah. so good. Like the scene. And and they just keep doing montage. The thing you really realize when you watch this movie is they fucking love montage. There's a funny moment in a, uh, we're linking it in the description. There's an interview with, with Ian Softley that's done by a YouTube channel that really just talks about hackers and interviews different people who made hackers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the interviewers said that he had just had a, a, a friend who came over to the U.S. from Switzerland Oh. And had all of this techno music. <laughs> and when he saw this movie, he's like, hey, this is that music my Swiss friend listens to all the time. <laughs> it opens with a title card letting us know that's Seattle, 1988. There's been a computer virus because we're in court, actually. Somebody's getting sentenced. A, a yeah, renegade the, the, hacker. The, the, the intro is incredible. That is like, oh, it's, it's so the good. wild. That they didn't get the slow-mo right. And it's just choppy yeah. as hell. <laughs> it's so yes. funny. But it's, it's, it's goes frame- so duplicating like, slow-mo yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. the worst shit in the world <laughs> yeah but it stylistically goes so hard it, <laughs> it goes hard as well the, the thing i'm always sure when i watch that scene is it wasn't meant to be slow-mo but yeah exactly but, but, but it is they eventually like then they got the music for an intro and also realized that it goes way harder slow-mo and they were well, just it, like exactly ah. that's kind of that's kind of what pulls it together right because a computer virus has crashed 1507 systems <laughs> that's that's it's so many enough. systems. 1,507. Yeah. That is the most systems anyone has ever tracked. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and the year is 1988. Uh, including uh, stock, stock trading systems. That right, yeah, yeah. Part. Like made right. the, the Dow drop by like over a thousand points, which used to be a big deal. But you know who uh, has created the system? We pan over and it's not some <laughs> adult. It's a child. It's, it's a fucking child. boy. Oh my Dave God. Murphy. So Dade... <laughs> is not allowed as a result of this trial to use any computers until he turns 18. No or, computers or, or touch-tone touch telephones. Right, and that's yes. important. Yeah. Could you explain to us about that a little bit? Yeah, I, I'm not an expert in freaking, but like, okay, freaking with a PH. Uh, that is what like came before like what we know as hacking nowadays is when everything was still phone systems. And uh, those are run like at the first time. I think that started like literally as like mechanically uh, by tones, like the signal tones. That's why your yeah. keys on your phones, even nowadays, make silly noises when you click on them. Right. Even though it's not really needed that much anymore. All phone systems are digital now. But yeah. basically, those tones like tell some like system on the other end of your phone line what you are calling and who you are calling and in various inputs. That's also how the internet then first worked because that's how we like get dial up and stuff. 
but basically, if you knew how to like just tell the systems the the tones they want to hear, you could do a lot of shit. Like what then comes up later in the movie is like red boxing, which is an actual thing, which is mm. where you uh go to like a payphone and you like call like a paid number and you throw in like money but you record the tones the phone makes right and then immediately cancel so you're getting your money back and because those tones are always the same you can just now like play those back from your cassette recorder and get Hmm. services for free yeah so if i remember correctly freaking started with like a teenager who just figured out how to emulate the tones with his own voice yeah there are various Um, people who knew that there's like a really cool video which i can i think i can send you the link to later so you can put it in the description uh, of like uh some some guy who just can emulate tones with his voice and there are people who trained their parrots to imitate (laughs) dialphone codes and yeah you can just (laughs) as long as you can make the exact right frequencies you can call anything you want and you can do anything you want and you can go into systems you really shouldn't have access to and get data (laughs) you shouldn't have and of course john draper the famous uh captain crunch as as he's known in some circles that 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 was his nickname i guess because he Mm -hmm. would blow a little uh toy that came in a box of captain crunch and he was able to use that to emulate the tones um turns out he's also a sex pest so (laughs) yeah yeah. but uh ultimately yeah like we get from here in smash cut into the opening credits which again so really iconic so, probably yeah, probably the most iconic use of halcyon on and on by orbital in any movie other than maybe mean girls um <laughs> which also uses that song with slow motion uh to great effect so the thing i really like about an opening sequence that you don't really necessarily notice on your first watch is it's it's like it's like a helicopter shot over like new york city right, right. yeah uh, but as the closer we get to the title the more and more of the streets turn into like circuit boards and shit mm-hmm. And at mm-hmm. the t- point where that thing appears, it's just like old motherboards and stuff that just vaguely right. look like buildings from above. And it's so cool. Like, it's they're really, they're, they put so much like weird artistic thought into this movie that didn't need to be there. <laughs> yeah. But- that also doesn't really cohere. That's what's so interesting, too, is like there's little choices like this that are so cool that point to a much better movie. Yeah. Because, like, <laughs> style, stylistically speaking, Stuff like this, stuff like the costumes, which we'll talk about later. Like, there are so many great things individually, but this movie is so much less than the sum of its parts. Yeah. yeah. No, but I, I feel like that's what makes it so charming. Uh, yes. Because, like, culturally, it did so much. It didn't do much story-wise. Like, it's... No. It's, 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 it's impressive that they managed to tell a queer, like, anti-establishment story at all. But also, it's still the most boring, basic-ass story you could have made with that premise. The first thing that we learn about this story is that uh, Dade, the the child from before, yeah. well, he's all grown up now. Well, he's not all grown up. He's he's, he's a teenager. True. He's he's still a, he's definitely a minor. He's not <laughs> like in his mid twenties. <laughs> yeah, he's a senior in high school. That's right. Uh, and, and his like his hacking has broken up his family. Like right, his parents yes. are divorced now. The forty thousand dollar fine has ruined their lives. But basically, yep. we jump from an intro sequence to him like hacking like things, right? The mm-hmm. thing I always want to note about that and that most other like actual hackers want to know this, this kid has been banned from using a computer for like seven years. How does he know how hacking works in the current time? Right. And we get yeah. back to that 
further into the movie, like five minutes more, where he doesn't know anything about the current hacking scene, <laughs> yeah. anything that's going on. He but doesn't also, know he's who still anyone the best is. Hacker to ever exist. Yeah, right. it, like it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> and it even comes up towards the end where he's like, "I can't do this. I haven't been hacking in in forever." And it's like, "Yes, <laughs> but we we've seen you do it." I mean, <laughs> yeah. The, the the portrayal of hacking in this movie is that it's sort of like riding a bike. Where like yeah. if you've if you've done it. <laughs> you're never going to forget how to do it. Like there's nothing yeah. super technical about it. I like, mean, to some degree, it's like what I do I always have to remind people, like a lot of hacking is just the mindset of being curious and exploring shit. Like that really right. is like the thing. And you can apply that to like new tech fairly easily as long as you try to keep up. But it's still not realistic that he would go back like seven years later and immediately have like this hack off of his future crush. But, right. like, <laughs> <laughs> but what he can do is call in to uh, this company. Yeah, it's it's a right-wing TV station. It's Fox right. News. He's like, oh, ho, what if I hack you and and make everyone watch an old episode of The Outer Limits instead? Yeah, so Dave- yeah, I, I do like the use of archive footage in that sequence. That is mm-hmm. one yeah. of the coolest montages to exist in cinema history, and I will die on that hill. Yeah, because <laughs> part of it is not really hacking. It's like jumping into his brain and like yeah. how he sees the world through these like pop culture artifacts like stylistically how they portray hacking in this movie as like a movie thing is really cool because Mm -hmm. it's it's obviously completely off from how it works in the real world but i prefer like a stylistic depiction that is very Mm -hmm. cool artistically and it still kind of like follows like the kind of like thinking you go through when you hack something over like things where they try to like show someone hacking like the NCIS type thing where they're like mm-hmm. I'm in I prefer <laughs> the like overly stylized really cool montage sequence so much because it, it's actually cool to watch and I don't have to cringe while watching it well and there's also <laughs> something interesting too about the fact that this hack begins through social engineering security uh, Norm Norman speaking Norman this is Mr. Eddie Vetter from accounting I just had a power search Mr. here at Eddie Vetter file I was working on and listen i'm in big trouble you know anything about computers um uh, gee right well my blt drive on my computer just went in <laughs> wol and I, I got this big project due tomorrow for mr kawasaki and if i don't get it in he's gonna ask me to commit harry carry uh horrible yeah horrible. You know, these horrible. Japanese management techniques could you uh read me the number on the modem um it's a little boxy thing, Norm, with switches on it. Let's my computer talk to the one there. And yeah, he reads the number, and and sure enough, he's in. He gets the yeah. the little mechanical tape yep. inserter to put in the outer yeah, limits tape. The, I I like how the whole like thing and uh, like like I already implied like that the, then some other hacker appears and they kind of yes. fight over who gets control over the broadcast. And I love how it's like a dance and fight at the same time. And it, it's it's so cool. Tapes like, are flying like, back they, and they, forth they, on this yeah, fucking yeah. Yeah. robot arms yeah, fighting no, each like, other. It's all it's all like choreographed to the music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you you have tread upon my domain and yeah. now must suffer. I love that. Yeah, th- this conversation happens with just like animated text every time he gets a new message and it's like on fire (laughs) and uh dade his hacker handle is crash override right when he was a kid he was zero Zero cool cool. yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And he is getting counterhacked by a hacker known as Acid Burn. Burn. <laughs> and and and, and Maya, this is this is what hacking looks like in real life, right? This exactly. The- yes. Yeah. I yeah. mean, to be fair, to be fair, you see, that's the thing. I can't even say anything about the handles because obviously, all the hackers use like so many hackers use handles that reference right. like this movie at this point. Right. Because, right. Right. Like I don't know how many crash overrides I've known in my time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. The line I try to remember that this whole finance with is is they like telling the other hacker mess with the best die like the rest and yeah. it goes so hard and this, it goes it, even harder because he then immediately gets kicked out after he sends course. that message yeah he gets uh, owned he gets owned but it's so cool like there are so many like pop culture quotes that come from this movie that people don't even know these are full screen messages that are being sent back and forth this is yeah. just like an AOL instant messenger window it's like I am hacking your entire display to say who are you and shit like that um and 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 this is also happening with some stuff that's going on inside the computer too like we're seeing these big uh it's sort of like tron where we're like in the computer and we're going down a highway and we're accessing files and shit like that yeah i I wrote down this is a, a very specific reference you can look this up on google images it is the food court at the Cottonwood Mall in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Okay. Which is Thanks, Brian. Which when you go there, depicts Albuquerque as an upside down city. So on the ceiling, you have the whole city of Albuquerque, including the Cottonwood Mall. All the tables and the floor are painted to look like the sky full That's, of clouds. Mm. There are hot air balloons hanging from the ceiling. Sure. But the giant diorama on the ceiling then sort of fades out at the edges to be like the cyber world. Right. And there's a bunch of blinking microchips and circuit boards. (laughs) And it's still there in the 2020s. This sounds like the most mall thing I have ever done. (laughs) (laughs) And I say that as as the most like Western European person to ever exist to live in a country that is a single single mall. Like I I don't know malls, but it sounds like what I imagine a mall would be like. Now we have our main protagonist here dade uh crash override but he's he's recently moved to new york city right yeah. like he is somewhat out of his element and we uh, end he up- is played by british actor johnny lee miller yes who put in a great performance in the danny boyle's frankenstein and uh put in a confusing performance in this movie just all <laughs> over the place that accent work is fucking bananas so good he's, he's yeah. slipping into and out of believability at all times yeah i i just realized that when you played the audio clip because like i obviously la- the last things i heard from the movie were like the last few scenes and i just re- he does not sound the same across that entire movie no no no, <laughs> no it just keeps it which is great because He's going to be playing opposite Angelina Jolie, and she's actually American, and her accent never makes any fucking no! sense either. Yeah, they're no. both, like, every single scene, both of them are making a brand new choice yeah. every single time. <laughs> the thing I only realized in my, like, fourth watch for or whatever that was on Friday was that so many entire scenes in that movie are ADR, and I don't know why. Oh, yeah. There's so many, like... like Especially that, that for one- the women. Yes. yes, like the women are just constantly but, but getting also, full but, ADR. But also the plague. So much of what the plague yeah. says is ADR. Mm-hmm. So much. There's an entire scene between like the plague and like his woman where they're both ADR, and you can notice it so well because yep. the scene is normal audio up to a certain point, and then yep. there's some a different noise background. And yep. 
And like it's like the escalators made too much yes. noise or something. Yes, so yes, <laughs> yes exactly. That escal- escalator scene. I didn't notice that until Friday because I think that was the first like completely sober watch through of that movie. Which is- <laughs> and I was just like, wait, why did the sound suddenly change completely? Yeah, and- the logic of this movie, the internal logic of this movie is all over the place. Yeah. And so the production design choices give it this really like uncanny feel because also Johnny Lee Miller in is in no way, shape or form convincing as a high schooler. Right. No, like, I don't think anyone in that movie is convincing as a high schooler, no, which is weird because there is an actual 16 year old in that cast. And Angelina Jolie was like 19 at the time. So like, yeah. she's in the range, but it's not. Uh, but she does not. I mean, goodness, she looks like she's mid 20s. Yes. Yeah. But what is believable, I will say this is when Dade and Kate, that's Angelina Jolie's character, meet. Their chemistry is immediately believable, I think. The thing you need to realize about this movie that at the end of the day, they did what any movie ever has to do when you don't have a real story is you you actually write a romance movie and disguise it as something else. Because at the end of the day, this is a romance movie. Yep. Uh, Yes. Yep. And (laughs) Angelina Jolie's character, Kate, is, I think you had said, like, very strongly lesbian coded. Yes. Um, Yeah. And and clearly her desire is is to to sissify Dade, which is also interesting to me. Yeah, she's a force femme. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) There there, there is so much, like, very explicitly queer stuff going. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's literally wet dreams of, like, Dade in in a fucking, like. Full on latex. Full on latex dress. So, like, yeah, their first meeting is really strange. She's, like, a bit of a prankster. And she's Mm -hmm. like, by the way, the school has an Olympic sized swimming pool on the roof. And Which yeah. he believes for some reason. Yeah, and yeah, so he and goes up to the, the roof thing, and gets the owned. The thing that makes the least sense to me about that bit that appears to be a thing in that school as like a prank <laughs> to all the news. Okay, so someone tells you there is a pool on the roof. What do you do? You like do you a acknowledge that information and carry on with your day, or do you b immediately go up on the roof? Yes. And what's weird is that like his reaction to her saying that is uh okay sure, and it really doesn't seem like he's gonna go up no. onto the roof. And then, and then, then, then he does. Is him getting locked locked up on the, to, on top of the roof with like kids who very clearly are high schoolers while he isn't. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and so it starts raining. He gets soaked. Womp womp. Me talking more and more about this movie online and getting like my generation of people and younger to watch this revealed so many people being like wait at my school we have this whole bit where we tell newcomers that there is a pool on the roof and no oh, one really? knows what that is a reference to <laughs> i just watched this movie no because you recommended way. it and i get that now that's wow. so funny to me the, like the, the cultural impact this shitty movie from 95 had <laughs> to uh, so, like but, random high schools in the US over like generations well Dade uh, after getting pranked uh, does meet two other characters who are going to be very important what's up man I'm the freak he's the freak the phantom freak <laughs> they the king always needed two, the two <laughs> I know you play the game now I try to save you from yourself, but you gotta stop letting your mama dress you, man. You hopeless. Got him. Check it. I need a handle, man. I mean, I don't have an identity until I have a handle. You know you're right about that. 
check it Friday. Okay, so Freak is once again the most queer-coded character to ever exist. Uh, Freak is absolutely a gay man, and anyone <laughs> telling me anything else is lying. But a, uh, a very feminine gay man also, like extremely. Like someone said this on Tumblr, everyone in mm -hmm. this movie is trans both ways. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he, he reminds me a lot of of Chris Tucker in the fifth element, right? Mm. Not just because he's always wearing like leopard print too, yeah. um, but it's just like, that's the kind of, that's the vibe he gives off. And so freak uh, has some experience in hacking. He knows a thing or two, whereas Joey is sort of a babe in the woods, right? Yeah. He doesn't Joey have a handle really yet. He wants to be a part of this group of exactly. people. And that's very obvious from the first time we see him is like, he really wants to be friends with these people. He really wants to be cool because as we know, this movie is about how hackers are like the cool people. They are cool. Uh, they are very yeah. cool. And there's no way that we really see that they're cooler than the next scene where they go to a party, which is a this, roller disco. I really, <laughs> I really want that place to be real. So it's a roller disco where they sell like computer parts outside of it. Right. <laughs> and they play Wipeout. There, there's so much going on in that place. There's fucking pay phones inside that place. <laughs> well, yeah, so you can hack. Yeah. That, like, that's why it's there. It's for hacking purposes. <laughs> it's just... I love Cyberdelia so much. What's amazing about this movie is that they have the hacker club and it's not even the only one. There's more than one hacker club <laughs> right. in this movie. The other one is only relevant for one scene. It's the one where like a different group of hackers who are very cool and like to be on TV or something. Um, yeah. But as we're at Cyberdelia, there's this whole thing with like the the arcade game. The entire high scoreboard is all Kate Libby. She's just too damn good. She's just yeah. so good at this game. But like Nate, who has never touched a computer in like the last 15 years or whatever of his life, <laughs> uh, comes up there and is like, huh, let me try if I can beat you. And says like some vaguely misogynistic shit. Uh, yep. Or like not vaguely. He's just says some misogynistic shit. Because it was 1995 and that yeah. was just the and gender then, politics at the time. He, yeah, actually like beats her at the game somehow. And like Freak walks up to him and is like, yeah, you just made an enemy for right. life. Which of course doesn't at all imply that they're going to date later in the movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the, Although the, they the, will. The, the, of course they will. Like, like the, yeah. the dynamic is very clear from the first second yes. they meet that this is once yeah. again just Hollywood romance shit. But mm -hmm. it's still cool. Like, it's not going to happen though. Kate already has a boyfriend. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. That's also what we. That's also what we get introduced to in the same scene. Is like <laughs> that. Just like this cool like motorbike boyfriend also i don't boy, think he I has don't... any lines does he, he? doesn't he say does. a single thing he, i'm pretty sure uh, he, he does appears... he does later because there's a point okay. where she joins them while oh, they're because yeah. like they're During they're the like having party. sex on a table next to next to the hacking session <laughs> and then she's like wait a second puts her top back on goes back over and he's like Hey, babe, you're not going to be doing that computer stuff, are you? Yeah, right. That's his only line in the movie. Right. I forgot that he's awesome. also in that scene because I was about to say, no, he's only in the Cyberdelia scene. But no, he also oh. appears again to have sex. Uh, yes. Is, yes. He, he, he exists in his movie to make out with Kate Libby, uh, yep. to drive away on a motorbike with Kate yep. Libby, and to fuck Kate Libby and get dumb. That That's is right. Like, and everyone right. is like amazed because he gets her top off with one hand. 
And yeah. they like they give them like a high score for it or like there's like a difficulty percentage that they calculate. I, I it's love just... that scene because how did they not realize that there were like five dudes over there not just watching right them there. by giving them right like life, there. Giving like there is... life comment, golf commentary on their They sex. are talking. They are lit. Because the thing yeah. about this movie is that it's largely just vibes. Like, yeah, yeah. It doesn't it doesn't really the, the narrative thread does exist and it does connect through things in different ways. But honestly, us describing these scenes out of order isn't much different no, from describing them in order. The, the, the order of the scenes isn't that important besides like the thread. But we're going through that anyways. Like, right. Yeah. Like there's this whole thing then where like Dade hacks into the computer systems while he's in his like remedial English class to get himself moved to like advanced English class because he wants because to be Kate's in, in class. It. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, because she, he hates her. He's going to destroy her in that we class. We also get this wild yeah. fucking scene that is the class itself. Yeah. Well, advanced the, English class. This is this is how education in America works. Right. Uh, <laughs> just it's, it's, know it's Stuyvesant you High School, right. anyway. You just need to tell quotes to the class. Yeah. That's right. Just attribute you whether quotes it's the a whole good time. quote or, or whether quoting your mom's self-help books for women is a bad idea. <laughs> and you just kind of stand on the teacher's desk wearing yeah. a New Jersey Devil's jersey. And that's also where you get... I, I think that's where we get introduced to serial killer. Yes. Yeah, serial like yes. a, I think briefly appears before that. Like we get a close up of yeah. him going <laughs> with little tiny sunglasses. Oh, yeah, right. No, but um, see the thing I find interesting and that points to my theory of serial absolutely being meant to be a trans woman is the fact that for every other character, we hear their legal names at least a bunch of uh-huh. times. Serial's legal name is mentioned once by the te- when when mm-hmm. when when mm-hmm. they have to tell the teacher their legal name, and the second time by police. Never ever yeah. again. Yeah. There's no other mention of Serial's name in an entire movie. Uh, yeah, because they're just serial, and like everyone else is mostly right. talked to with like their handles, but like. They but they, just, they use they their legal names sometimes. Yeah, 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 but, yeah, but yeah. like, but like, I'm pretty sure. Like, I keep forgetting what Serial's legal name is because it doesn't well, show up in the movie. Yeah. Really. So Serial's legal name is like a, a funny little joke that they put in. Uh, his name is Emmanuel Goldstein. Uh, Emmanuel Goldstein is a character from 1984. It's the oh. like fake left wing opposition leader. And right. the name is used by Eric Corley, who is an uh, old time hacker who was a consultant on the movie. It's funny. You couldn't cast a better cis guy to play a trans woman than Matthew Lillard. And and I say that as a trans woman. Like, if, if like, oh, I'm obviously all against, like, cis people playing trans people in movies, but, 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 but. Except uh, for Matthew Lillard. Except for Matthew Lillard. <laughs> yeah. He gets the pass. Because, like, the, the thing is, I jokingly also, like, said something, I think, on Tumblr or on Twitter about how, like, oh, yeah, and finally we get to see Matthew Lillard play a trans woman. And people are like, no, he already played the trans woman and Scooby-Doo as Shaggy. <laughs> yes, that is, that is where you might know Matthew Lillard from. He's mostly right. known as being Shaggy. And yeah. he, I do like how the voice he does for those two characters is the exact same. You can sit at home and do like absolutely nothing. In, and your name goes to like 17 computers a day. 1984, you're right, man. That's a typo. Orwell's here and now. He's living large. <laughs> we have no names, man. No names. We are nameless. We are nameless. <laughs> Meet serial killer. Eyes and Fruit Loops. But he does know things. <laughs> I love Matthew Lillard so much. I, this Matthew performance. Matthew Lillard is just 
no, he's very good. He plays <sighs> that character very well. Like it's an extremely like caric caricature of a character. Yeah. But it's not necessarily in like a negative way. Like that's what no, I find impressive yeah. about this movie is that so much of this movie is technically offensive. But <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It just doesn't come across as that. And I'm not sure yeah. if that's because they didn't mean for it to be offensive or because they just failed at being offensive. I, we're just gonna ignore that one like transphobia yeah, so scene in tell. the movie. We're just gonna pretend that one doesn't exist. Yeah. Right. Uh, but but that's just like time appropriate i guess it is, it is interesting though like when i saw serial i also immediately had the thought of this is somebody who is who is queer coded who is trans coded yeah who that's what we're sp- like there's no ambiguity in the no, costuming like the, that's what we're supposed to take away here so insane like you cannot interpret that away and then you get to the voice and like that is the fruitiest voice i have ever heard in any movie character yeah like like they are very clearly at the very least doing a gay voice like someone Mm -hmm. walked up to matthew lillard and was like can you do your gayest voice right like like and then there's also like 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 the serial and freak being at the very least gay is very heavily implied with the one mm-hmm. scene where first of all serial is apparently like his parents like hate him and stuff and right. he apparently sleeps over a lot at other guys places yeah that's and an interesting thing like, about his backstory there's so much like implied in that one scene we just randomly get that backstory the backstory has no leverage at all in the rest of no. the movie it's not relevant but they just throw that in there and it's just like there's just like hint hint these characters are gay they fuck right (laughs) (laughs) they fuck with each other sometimes 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 these people fuck and not Uh, just like the two main characters (laughs) but yeah we basically then what we learn here uh from serial is that in order for joey to really like make his way into the inner circle and be considered a true hacker by these kids we're gonna need a righteous hack Look, you want to be elite? You got to do a righteous hack. <laughs> None of this accidental shit. Yeah, you want a seriously righteous hack? You score one of those Gibsons, man. Yeah. You know, supercomputers they use to like do physics and look for oil and stuff. Ain't no way, man. Security's too tight. The big iron. Maybe, but if I were gonna hack some heavy metal, I'd uh, work my way back through some low security and try the back door. Yeah, but, oh, man. Not fit in the you just no, <laughs> no. Get one of those Gibsons, baby. Mm. And, and of course, Matthew Lillard makes a little like sort of air guitar motion because calling them Gibsons, even though it's a reference to William Gibson, just makes them sound like guitars. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> There's so many other wild choices that are made by Matthew Lillard in this scene. At one point, he like lifts up his shirt and starts rubbing his nipple. It's, it's, it's such an insane scene. This scene, this scene is all over the place. Yeah. And, yes. And, 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 and the whole bit where like they, they want to make it very clear that everyone here bullies Joey, including yeah. like, Serial, who is the sweetest guy ever. They, I, I see no other reason why they put the whole thing of like... Uh, serial stealing like the freaks like prize and then blaming Joey for it. Why is that in the movie? Why is that in there? <laughs> and there's like, a- I'm pretty sure the only reason that's in there is just to make it very, very clear. These people bully Joey. Joey right, yeah. right, 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 right. But they've already <laughs> done that. They've but already like- been bullying Joey. We don't need it again. Yeah, yeah. yeah I I don't know. There's Most no scenes- reason for that. Like there's no neither narrative nor like 
artistic reason for that to be in there. Most <laughs> scenes in this movie, they, they either start before they should start or they end after they should end. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or there's just random shit in between. Or they just turn yeah. it into a montage instead. Joey gets tired of being bullied and so he decides to prove himself to his peers. He hacks into one of these Gibson systems and yep. Penn Jillette notices yeah. it. We, we get a whole like, again, we see the Cottonwood Mall food court. And we also get like a Koyana Scotsy reference where like Koyana Scotsy I missed sort, of, sort of infamously has this sequence where it's doing time lapse of cars on roads. And it's also like mm-hmm. in a car and it's going down the road and everything like that. And, you know, Koyana Scotsy is about collapse and apocalypse and destruction and pollution. And then it was uh, copied by Madonna's Ray of Light video and just shows up everywhere in the 90s. So it's just like, ha, Koyana Scotsy moment. Uh, and yeah, and Penn Jillette is here on the other side for some reason <laughs> in, a, in a pretty small role. He comes back, but it's like, OK, sure. Yeah, that's yeah. Penn Jillette. Mr. Belford. My name is the plague. Mr. The Plague is the hardest in, thing anyone has ever seen. The accounting subdirector in the Gibson's working really hard. We got one person online, and the workload is enough for like 10 users. I think we got a hacker. <laughs> I, I love this scene so much because all of that scene, none of that scene makes any sense. No, no. absolutely zero sense. And, and the thing I love about the plague is that, like, I know that is like because of that's how his character works, but it sounds like he's so pissed about being on set at all times. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. The the plague is Fisher Stevens. He's an, he's older than the rest of this cast, even older than the actors actually are. Mm. Um, and he rides a skateboard, which is oh. which is so uncool. That's so of the past. Unlike the cool guys who are rollerblading. Come yeah, on. He comes into the room and you're just like, wait, is he skateboarding right now? Why is he just like floating <laughs> yeah. through the room? Because you like don't see the skateboard itself at first. And yeah. if you know Fisher Stevens from anything other than hackers, it's probably from Succession. Because yeah. on Succession, yeah. he's Hugo, who's sort of like the fixer for the Roy family. Yeah. Um, where he's. Actually, it's not a dissimilar role in many ways. Big difference here being that, I don't know, how do we even fucking describe this okay. guy? So I would describe <laughs> the plague as he's very actively a depiction of like a cybersecurity person at a company because that is his sure. job. He's he's like mm-hmm. a cybersecurity consultant working for this like shitty evil company that he also kind of hates, but he just wants money. You couldn't make yeah. a more villain coded like hacker than that. He's very insistent on being a hacker. Like that, that's yeah. his very important that's his identity. His identity. He's like, I am a hacker. Yeah, that's that is what also I am. Not a cyber criminal. He's being right. called the plague at work at all right, times. Right, right, right. Everyone calls him Mr. The Plague, which is really funny to me. <laughs> it's a good joke. That is, that is a really funny, like, tiny little writing thing they got right again. Mm-hmm. I, I think they set up, like, the, the whole anti-establishment bit really well because, like, mm-hmm. it is very clear that this isn't just about the plague, but about the yeah. establishment. And the plague is just the establishment. And I like how they gave him, like, a negative name like i like yeah. how and also it doesn't fit the naming scheme of all the other hackers right because everyone else has like the two word names well Except also his also real name his real people. name is eugene he's not cool <laughs> yeah and i think the only person who's called allowed to call him eugene is like his like girlfriend slash the ceo of the company has three yeah. things for yeah. or whatever her actual title is but like she's technically his 
boss from my understanding of like two lines in the movie yeah i uh, believe so it's just that she's at the office with him and it's like, like okay like she's wearing a nice of, suit that part of the arc very clearly is just the writers being like fuck we forgot the villain and like, <laughs> well and it's also kind of like a misogyny thing again too where it's like we just need some fucking bitch woman yeah <laughs> you no, know because she's the one who had the insecure password yeah. and he points that right. out in like the most which, misogynistic which way possible her password is god can we talk yeah. about that yeah. for just just a moment. They later elaborate that she doesn't know anything about computers. But the thing right. you need to yeah. realize is uh, what what everyone's what, what the explanation was for why people use God is because system administrators love feeling like God. Right. She is not a system. She's administrator. not a sysadmin, right? She's no. yeah. She, she's just like the CEO or something similar to that, but it's not very well defined actually because yeah. it's not relevant to the plot. She's but not. It, she's not relevant to the plot besides giving him a love. But this is another situation yeah. too, where like the production design sort of picks up where the story leaves off. Yeah, because you know the screen that Penn Jillette is looking at it's like it just says like god system hacked or something like <laughs> yeah. that and then they have to like the, the the plague has to like whack on this keyboard to try to stop joey we from completing the hack the and thing i find interest more interesting in the later scene where they do like the same thing but with more people and like mm-hmm. is that the room actively starts overheating and they're yes. all sweating yeah and yeah. it's it's like already the idea of like your server control panel being in the same room as your servers is really funny. It's just from a <laughs> right. security standpoint alone. But also yeah. that they just made it look like the most evil villain lair possible. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's these big like pillars that are, are glowing blue. And of course, when the system overheats, they turn red because why yeah. not? <laughs> why the plague is called the plague is mm. because he goes after hackers by infecting their computer with a worm that will then infect other computers, making it look like that hacker is the yeah. one who made the worm. Right. So he's, you know, he's, he's, he does, he basically does a honeypot. He's like, yeah, come and hack this, download this thing, take it from me. And then you're going to, you're going to destroy something and you get to be arrested and not me. And that's exactly what Joey does, right? Yeah. Joey being the naive boy that he is. He doesn't is, even have a handle. Come on. None of this would have happened. Yeah. happened. That's what I've been saying. He falls no. into the honey pot. And so now it's going to be very easy to pin this hacking crime on him. But one thing that he does get is the garbage file, which is going to be basically the MacGuffin for the entire movie. Yeah. This floppy disk that contains... I like how they couldn't come up with a better name for that concept yeah. of a hidden file that looks uninteresting, but it's actually the most interesting thing Besides the garbage file. And, and then later they like explain this as if like the garbage file were like an actual thing that exists and has a lot of meaning. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I, I also like, this is just a very small technical thing, but I love the idea that this file that has all of this important code and data could be less than 1.44 megabytes because it needs to fit onto a standard double-sided floppy disk. The only reason like the floppy doesn't get found at Joey's place is because he's used to hiding shit from his mom. That, that is just such a small thing that you might not notice in like your first watch or whatever, but that's that's why like the whole her his mom being sorted as controlling, that's why that's important to the plot. Right. Because that's why he hides it. He wouldn't have hidden out yeah. there otherwise. I just find it as a narrative idea very interesting. It's not right. elaborated well. Like it's not very right. clear unless you watch the movie too many times. But <laughs> after this hack happens, we've gotten the plague and he describes his whole virus thing and his virus exists to 
They they also just keep jumping between virus and worm. Oh, it's whatever. such a We're mess. We're just gonna. <laughs> so we will too. <laughs> but yeah. the, well, because the there's thing, two different malware. That that's the thing. There's two different pieces yeah. of malware. They never elaborated very well that it's two completely. Oh. At, the, at the end, they clear it. But like, yeah, there's two different pieces of malware. There's the okay. virus, which I guess is able to hack into ships, like yeah. container ships yeah. that are out that in the ocean. Entirely a decoy. He just made yeah. that in like one night to pin it on Joe. He made a right. false flag virus. With an AI voice and in, in quotes, who placed who yeah. placed Da Vinci in that movie? Do we know? And that? so this this virus causes oil tankers ballast to like get filled the wrong way, yeah. and then they capsize and Why spill not? the oil. Everywhere. Why not? Fuck it. Because again, the point is to trap the hackers and be like, see, this person is responsible for an ecological disaster, right? Yeah. The company. Which again, like, there's no reason. There's no reason for this. Like, this this shouldn't be a part of the movie. Like, they they left all the wrong stuff in. Like, yeah. sometimes I do wonder what are the things they cut out of this movie, and did they right. cut anything? Because I'm not sure they did. There is one scene apparently that got cut. I was I was watching this interview with the director, and there's a scene that's like in the screenplay. It's in the novelization of the movie, which there oh. apparently is a novelization of the movie. Oh, hell uh, yeah. I kind of want that now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they even filmed it, but it got cut where that just explains more how all of the hackers worldwide get on at oh, the end. Yeah. There's like oh. a, there's another step to that process that involves a freak, I think. Oh, I kind of want that lore now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if I remember what they were saying in that interview correctly, he's like dating a girl in Venezuela and then it just goes from there. Okay. These are really expensive, but I, I'm looking at the book right now. I need this, <laughs> I need this in, like, I need like a hardcover of this. Date I'm... now has been identified because he's connected to Joey and Joey gets arrested and. Yeah. Joey, Joey becomes nude. But I love the specificity of the locations. I like that everything is actually in Tribeca. This whole yeah. movie, yeah. everything in it. Joey lives at Independence Plaza which uh, now is a very expensive place to live, but back then was a very affordable middle-class Mitchell-Lama development, um, which also class codes the character in a way that I find interesting uh, because Kate, we see, is actually very wealthy. Yeah, because her mom is like a shitty offer for self-help books for women. And I like the one example title I mentioned. I forgot what the... (laughs) The title is because it's such a weird misogynistic side hit that something about like printed a soft cover book for for, as for it's it's like a a book for women to deal with men who are amoebas yes (laughs) it's such a funny book title uh but what what i wanted to say is like kate then because of the fact that her mom is this very rich author, she lives apparently at like a fucking on a, in a penthouse on Central Park West, it appears. Mm-hmm. Um, she is in a way aspirational for the rest of these kids because yeah. their class status ranges from, I would say, lower middle class to like middle middle class. I think Joey is probably the closest to being middle of the middle. And that's just interesting to me. That's a that's a distinction that you might miss if you don't know New York City in the 90s. Yeah, yeah, like Freak is a Puerto Rican kid. He lives with a single mother. You know, it's a lot of sort of single mom situations here as well. It's just, mm-hmm. yeah, there. This is this is seen again because they're trying to depict this all. It's punk. It's working class. Right. I mean, Dade yeah. is like he was middle class. He was right. in like a, a kind of a nice home. His life. And he ruined his life yeah. because of this this forty thousand dollar fine because the government. Yeah. No, I I like how they make the like things very explicit. 
like at the end like they're not very good at like explaining it but there's no. a lot of like very explicit anti-establishment shit in here also another um, note about the book it has very good ratings on amazon and they're all like this is very bad writing but i love the movie <laughs> <laughs> so as a result of joey's arrest he gets linked to dade yeah. wendell pierce who is yep. who plays like this fucking G-man, basically, breaks down Dade's door with the plague to try to get the scoop on the garbage file. You know, yeah. they, they think he's the missing link here. And Dade actually rejects the plague's entreaties. Dade, I know how you might feel about narking on your friends, but mm. we're hackers. For that us, there's no such that. thing as family and friends. We're each our own country with temporary allies and enemies I love that music I'd like to make a treaty yeah it's so good I'm sorry who are you I'm the one who understands you (laughs) (laughs) you know but like the the depiction of like informants and like just people who want to fuck you is really good yeah, because, like, well, that that is how a lot of like corporate infosec will also tell you no, like just come over and just break for a corporation. We'll just instead hang of out, doing what like, you do. Or, yeah, like like because I get a lot of those emails as well, where people are like, no, you, why are you doing this? You're like ruining your life with fighting for a better world. I guess. Yeah. Uh, why don't you just join us at like Evil Company Incorporated? The arguments that he is making. And the things that he is saying is is it has the ring of a hacker ethos, but it's not. It's him it, misunderstanding the hacker. Like that that's the thing. The thing that they depict really well is that the plague completely misunderstands this culture mm-hmm. and thinks he's a part of it and thinks he's like winning at it when all he wants yeah. is power. And well, and a big thing that that he he gets here too is is like, well, you know, you're a computer nerd, you're kind of isolated. You're alone. That's all any of us can ever be. We're all just lone wolves. And so all you can hope to be is just be the best one and get everyone else to fuck off. You owe nobody else anything. All you owe is your own like enrichment because of it. There is a lot of interesting, like implied backstory uh, for the play going on here that I really like. Like there's so much started story building going on. There's so much (laughs) almost world building. I know it's a bummer, but I'd be curious to hear just a little bit more if you're willing to to speak to it, Maya, about like the difference between this approach of like we're all individual people floating mm. out in the ether and the best we can be is ourselves versus the idea of community because that's at the core of this and i think at the core of the debate about what it means to be a hacker right the, the interesting thing about this is that i don't disagree with what the plague says i disagree with the conclusions he makes from that mm-hmm. because the thing is like also the conclusion like i make from the fact of we are all alone and we can't really trust anyone because that's true that is just how it is if you're in like a subculture that does shit right. that the establishment doesn't like uh is that at the end of the day you can't really trust anyone you can't trust your friendships to stay you can't trust your friends not to snitch on you and you can't trust to not get an offer you can't really decline because yeah at the end of the day most people are going to sell out rather than go to chair. Yeah. That's just a harsh reality. And I get that. My thing is like, I, I agree with this thing of like, you are on your own and you kind of need to look after yourself and you need to be careful with how much you depend on people like in the community. You can easily like have friends outside of like the whole thing. But inside hacking, there's like this weird thing of you can't really build trust with people without doing things with them. And even then, like 
just because someone does a shit ton of like things with you doesn't mean they're trustworthy it could also mean right. they're just a really good federal informant and like because mm. like we all know the fbi is willing to commit crimes to get someone arrested for the crimes they right. just did like yeah they, they will do crimes with you they will incite you to do crimes if if they want you badly enough it's that's why i find this scene very interesting because it shows you the two conclusions you can come to from that realization which is either just give up and like do your own thing and sell out everyone else and just fight to be the most powerful to like at least in the short term feel like you are doing something good or like you are powerful or just like appease the corporations appease the government and but on the other hand you could just be like no my morals are stronger than that i know that i can't necessarily trust my friends i know they won't stay around for me necessarily and i know they might sell me out but i have the moral high ground dade rejects the plague yes then he yeah. has he has a nightmare where Angelina Jolie comes in like fucking rips her shirt off and yeah, starts we, having sex with him. Yeah, for some reason to get Angelina Jolie's boobs in this movie, I guess. Well, I mean, uh, and, and just of kind of, just kind <laughs> of, just a little bit, just, just a, little a little bit, bit. <laughs> just for like a few seconds, just to make sure they're in there. I guess. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but both Angelina Jolie and Johnny Lee Miller get bundled away in this nightmare, and then he wakes yeah, up. Oh, the it was just, service. It was just a bad we, dream. We, we've had a bunch of Secret Service raids, and there's like still more to come because like Freak's apartment has yeah. to get raided no, too. Was like, interesting to watch because they're obviously extremely stylish and they made them funny, which I yeah. do mm-hmm. think, which I do think is an interesting choice for a movie that takes itself way too seriously. Way too seriously. The, the one, and the one then, with Freak is really good because his mom just starts beating the shit out of him. He's like, "Okay, you guys can arrest me now, yeah. please." <laughs> yeah, because yeah. she's still just hitting him. Uh, yeah, but but, but the, it, the one with Joey is still like the, the thing they build up is that they build up their own trope of people opening a window or opening yes. a curtain and the cops right. just being there with rifles. <laughs> It's very funny. It's it's very funny. I don't know why that is the part of the movie where they decided to put the comedy, but at the other end, I'm kind of glad they didn't realistically depict police rights because they're shitty. Uh, yeah. Speaking from experience. Uh, <laughs> before the plague leaves, he picks up the baseball bat that's in the room. And just smashes the stereo. Oh, <laughs> smash the shit out of it! Yeah, it's just completely. And, and it's it's once again a scene that didn't need to go on no, for that long. No, it shouldn't have gone on for that <laughs> long. Like, but it, it does. It was very clear already how serious the threats were. Also, the thing I find really funny about Gil is like I'm, we kind of skipped over the scene where like uh, Joey gets arrested because yeah, that is the second time we see Gil give a TV interview and we are introduced to two things first of all he for some reason has a crush on the TV person this never comes up again <laughs> in the movie but <laughs> he has a crush on like the, the TV interviewer person and they always do the interviews and he always says the exact same sentence about like how, how hackers destroy delicate computer systems right. and we're also introduced to the bit about how he doesn't actually know anything about hacking and the only reason he's like there and also he hates his job and he's just doing this because like he was apparently protecting the president right secret service right uh, yeah and, but now he doesn't want to like get let his last few years on the job get to waste and so he hates everyone on his job because they keep telling him technical things and he hates that and they need to dumb it down for him and it, it's <laughs> just an interesting character there's way too much like character building going on for a character that isn't really that oh relevant. yeah so at this point date has rejected the offer he's got visions of angelina jolie's boobs dancing in his head yeah. and he goes to a party with the guys and they all want to fuck a power book like they see the power book and they t- start talking about how much they want to have sex with the computer and this leads us to a realization johnny lee miller 
uh, Dade and Angelina Jolie, Kate, they're the ones who are hacking each other at the beginning of the movie. What? Oh my yeah. God. What? Uh, how, how could this have happened? We could never have predicted how, who, this. Who could say? Wait, but, you're saying that Crash knows Burn? Uh, Crash uh, and Burn? Uh, no. Uh, oh, no way. Crash uh, and Burn? We also get some really wonderful uh, just techno babble in here. Has a killer refresh rate. P6 chip. Triple the speed of the Pentium. Yeah, it's not just the chip. It has has a PCI bus. It does. But you already knew you that. Knew that. <laughs> <laughs> Risk architecture is going to change everything. Oh. This is, is such an iconic risk. scene just risk because is of the good. risk just because of the risk architecture is the future line. The funny thing is that risk architecture actually is the future. <laughs> yeah, no, they were right about that. It's just funny because they did just throw buzzwords in there. They did just right. have Richard Lee Miller and like Angelina Jolie read out buzzwords. It's yeah. wonderful. It's wonderful. What, what is risk architecture, by the way? It's oh god, how to how to explain risk. It's like a simplified like CPU architecture, so it is easier okay. to implement and it's also like more open because like all the main architectures computers run on nowadays, uh they're all proprietary and all copied from each other because we were once upon a time in a thing where even in the US tech companies were just blatantly stealing from each other and no yes. one cared. Uh, watch Pirates of Silicon Valley, uh, which is why the architecture Intel CPUs run run hmm. on is also called AMD because they just stole it and stole compatibility oh, okay. and actively stole documents from each other. What a wild time. Uh, this still <laughs> happens, but they obviously like make it less obvious. Risk also, at that time, it would be accurate to say that PowerBook did have a risk chip because PowerPC yeah. is a, a risk-based instruction risk set, based. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. as is Apple Silicon. Well, Apple Silicon is, is ARM-based, which is based on risk. Right. Uh, but ARM okay. is once again proprietary because it's owned right. by Kale by ARM, which is a shitty, shitty fucking company. Uh, but they make a cool architecture, I guess. They do. Uh, okay. That's just true of all the CPU architecture companies. So uh, the rivalry between Dade and Kate comes to its apex in the form of a hacker challenge. Ooh, uh, they ooh. have to hack Wendell Pierce. <laughs> <laughs> and whoever can hack him the hardest wins. Yeah, it's a hacking. It's a hacker's duel, a thing it's, that exists. It, it goes really hard. And it's cool that they're just hacking like this secret service agent. And that is somehow <laughs> not a problem. But hacking a bank across state lines is like right. the biggest yeah. crime ever. It's it's a little silly. I mean, to be fair, that is somewhat period appropriate, even though like we are at the point where this is even mentioned in the movie. We already have the CFAA, so that we can't like it's not just all wire fraud anymore. But that's also yeah. funny because we're still we're still co convicting people for wire fraud uh on, on while we have to see fai because we of course need to stack charges because it's the us and yeah the only thing that matters is how many charges you can give someone and the more charges you give <laughs> yep. someone the better of an agent you are land of the free and home like of the brave that. baby yeah. yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it, yeah. But yeah, as, as long as they can somewhat feasibly claim that something you did somewhat happened over state lines, which includes someone from a different state looked at the thing you uploaded on your yeah. website, mm -hmm. uh, they can just claim it's wire fraud. Uh, the fraud thing, you just need to somewhat claim someone made money from it. It doesn't really matter. Me selling t-shirts is wire fraud. Uh, so. <laughs> so, But this is this is also a moment where we get, Actual I think, fact. A, we, yeah. get a, we get a really interesting shot chaser moment here where with hacking when Pierce, there's this really gnarly like bit of transphobia where yeah. they sting yeah. him by by being like, I'm actually a transvestite and I want people to call me and talk about kissing yeah. my earlobe or some shit. But yeah. then the chaser to that is that the loser operative word, the, 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 <laughs> the stakes of this competition, though, because it ends up getting tied 
and the stakes are raised once again in a fascinating way. Time. Oh, Shut up. Skills on timely demise and all. Guess you two will have to improvise the next round. Right. I win. You wear a dress on our date. <laughs> and if I win, so do you. Hey. hey. Ooh. Yeah. No. She's she's really into that. And, and she, then directly she, and after she that. Is too. Like, yes. 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 She is yes. Too. <laughs> and, and, and directly following this, we get another wet dream sequence. And this is Angelina Jolie's wet dream yeah. where he's where Johnny Lee Miller is in a full red latex bodysuit. Yeah, yeah, not even a dress. Like, no, and then like I, think, I think the thing that's interesting is at the next day at school, she has like one of those dresses in her locker. And yeah, asked him, like, yeah. I didn't know your size. I hope this fits. I feel <laughs> such an insane scene to put it's in this yeah. wild. I, I, I'm already like going to the very, very end of the movie. But during the last scene where they're like making out and that they're in a pool on the roof uh, in the middle of New York somewhere. I don't know New York. I've never been to the US. It, uh, yeah, no, it's uh, not. It, it, this was an indoor pool in London, apparently. Uh, yeah. And yeah. so they just composited it. Yeah. But, but yeah, it seemed very composited. But basically, yeah. they're like there and, and like he starts talking like, oh, you know, I've been having these and she completes it with weird dreams lately. Yeah. And it's just like, <laughs> it's just like, there's oh, really? so much implied there. And it's yeah. just, I don't know. The, the thing I like about that end sequence is that I've never seen straight people make out in a more queer way before. And mm. it's entirely because of all the implied things, not because of right. anything they're doing yeah. on screen. It's not the actual it performance. Just, yeah, It just feels extremely queer. Yeah. Like Brian, I was curious, how did this land for you? Like this whole bit? The dream was... The dream going into the other shit. Like just this this, this yeah, weird, it, it like weird five minutes. Because this followed, you know, this was after they 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 harassed the, the Secret Service right. guy, right? They yeah, they put out cool the, the personal ad. And so like they had all these people call him up and, you know, they're they're hitting on him. Then they had him arrested by fabricating a criminal record. Then they faked his death. And it was weird to have this sort of like two beat thing where it's like the ad that he puts out says that he's a cross dresser. And then the bet becomes about him wearing a dress right. versus her wearing a yeah, dress. I, I don't know. I, I'm like the thing I keep thinking about that scene is like. I don't think they meant for that to be offensive. Like, I'm pretty sure they just didn't know that was offensive because it yeah. doesn't come across as them like trying to make any point. They, they just came up with funny ideas. And that was yeah. like, I don't know, like it yeah. feels not too period inappropriate. Like, like that's why I don't think this movie is too terribly, like I hate that scene so much. Right. But, yeah. but, but it's also like, I don't think they had intentions of, being transphobic there. I don't no, think the, they... the, the point was more like, how can we really get this guy? Like, yeah, how, just how putting we... out a sexualized ad with his number, right? And yeah. then, but using all of all of that language in order to to sell to get, the ad and to yeah. get weird, specifically with the intention of getting weird guys to call him. Which again, yeah. like the implications there, not yeah. great. No, but... the implications are horrible, but also. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like it was just like the straightest guys ever writing this movie and not realizing right, yeah. that that wasn't <laughs> yeah. appropriate because it genuinely feels like it, it like almost feels like they were trying to give representation the way it's presented. Like, right. Yeah. And I hate yeah. saying that, but like it feels like they felt like it was almost kind of somewhat positive because they were like, yeah, we're putting this thing in here and it's not a strict negative. But like, yeah, it's I don't know. And like the way that the the dream sequence plays out is incredibly hot. 
Yeah. Right, like the the, yeah. the movie passes no no kind of weird judgment like you no, might think with that earlier scene. There's, yeah. right. there's no there's generally no judgment about the idea of him wearing the dress. No one yeah. in this movie ever touches that idea. Yeah, like, like it is never like challenged. There's 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 no like actual explicit bigotry in this movie, which is surprising yeah. considering the whole thing. Considering <laughs> the 1990s United <laughs> States <Yeah>. of America, <laughs> we move on from this sequence to Washington Square Park, where now the Secret Service has spotted Freak with the MacGuffin with that floppy disk. Yep. Uh, he gets arrested. This is where we get that whole moment of them busting through the window and his mom beating the shit out of him. Yeah. Yeah. And, so the, uh, so Joey was like grounded and then he was like, OK, I won't use the computer. Now I'm not grounded anymore. Let's grab that floppy disk that got me in trouble <laughs> with the government and I'll just go to the park and hand it off to my friend. And he's immediately caught and tailed and chased. Angelina Jolie comes by Dade's place to be like, hey, yeah. you got to help. But now uh, we learn that because we needed even more plot, <laughs> we learned that Dade's mom has been framed by the plague. Uh, of, yeah, the of, plague of, basically played the same game day there. She's had crimes appended onto a record in Washington state, uh, accusing her of all sorts of horrible things. And so then we get what is unquestionably my favorite scene in this movie, where Dade has to go and give the disc to the plague. We just see him walking around on this cobblestone street <laughs> and a car rolls up and Plague is like riding on the side of the car. He's holding onto the car, riding a skateboard, and he grabs the disc out of his hand as the car rolls past. Yeah, and it's then there's just random fog. The, the nurses yes. fog machines. Like, yes. They're not so even much fog. concealing the fact that it's fog machines in the sewers. There's oh, just it's fog awesome. machines in this, and it's so awesome. There is no reason for that scene to look that way, but they just went there and did yep. And it yep. goes hard. It's it's so good. It doesn't like take you out of the movie, but it's just they didn't need to do that. <laughs> like no. of all the things too, like the plague could just be on his skateboard or right, he yeah. could be in the car reaching out of the window. Right. Instead, he is sketching alongside He's the car the and does not look cool at all. <laughs> I, well, Brian, how did you feel when you saw Fisher Stevens rolling up on that skateboard? How did that hit you in that moment? I, it, it was like a jump scare. It was like, <laughs> yeah, what's no. that? I had to re like, I, I, I kind of like didn't like acknowledge that it happened then i was like is that really what ha i had to rewind you were afraid you had, to, you, had to, you had to call aj's parents yeah. <laughs> i think the thing i find really interesting about that entire scene is that it's shot 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 like a dream sequence but it is yes. yeah like but that, it's especially with like the fog and stuff yeah it, the first time i saw that i was like oh the, so another dream sequence right uh -huh. and then like five minutes later you read wait no that was a real thing that happened yeah the dream sequences is another like two beat thing we only get two dreams yeah and they both aren't like very stylized as dreams so. right and these so. things usually come in threes like right. just in general like that's a rule of writing you write or in you threes. just let the dream start like taking over more and more and more because weirdly with all the stuff we've described we're not even like an hour into this film yet <laughs> yeah. and it's an hour and 40 minutes <laughs> right i forgot how much it suddenly starts to drag on oh my yeah. god there's so much plot and, and you <laughs> like, know like the, the thing i find interesting about this movie is that it opens up very promisingly Yes. Like yeah. with, the, yes. with the with the opening shot, the, the super the, like, stylish, intro, and then we get to like the the cool fight scene like mm -hmm. thing. 
I just genuinely feel like part of why this movie is so weird is that they run out of budget during editing. It might have just been more that they ran out of time in the writing because it got <laughs> right, made right, so right. fast that, makes more that sense. they were like, well, here's the script we have. We're going to go out with because with there's this. so much connective tissue that's missing. Yeah. yeah. Like, the there's so many number of times bits like like the like the raids, each raid happening on each apartment or or. The plague not just taking the disc or having that conversation, but also leaving, like, mailing a laptop to Dad. Yeah. yeah the- like, the thing I find especially interesting is that besides the threat, that the whole thing with him giving plague the disc, I'm pretty sure that was added later because they realized there suddenly wasn't enough tension anymore and not enough yeah. reason for them right. to do something. And I feel like they just need to, like, get the threat level up again because that yeah. just feels so, like, put in there because mm-hmm. it later just doesn't feel relevant anymore the whole threats against his mom just kind of disappear oh, yeah. after two scenes yes and it's just like it just never comes up again we're here at not quite the midpoint but you know yeah. that's fine but we we've set the stakes the stakes are about to get even more confusing so <laughs> we've got something to look forward to there and we'll get there right after this Hey everybody, AJ here. I'm off this week because I'm too busy sobbing violently on a Canadian dock, but I wanted to pop in to remind everyone that if you were born in 1990, you were born closer to the year 1960 than you are to today. You're welcome! We're on Tumblr now, our our podcast. We've technically been on (laughs) Tumblr, but part of it was that, you know, Maya, I was you know really excited to get you on, and then I realized... You know, a lot of the people who are going to be interested in this shit probably mostly live on Tumblr as opposed to Twitter. Mm -hmm. So I got back into our account. I got some things configured. I turned on anonymous asks and somebody was wondering if we are amenable, Brian, to people creating fan art of us. Uh, And and, and my my gut is I don't know, but it's going to happen one way or the other. I mean, if you're going to do it, you're going to do it. Like, like, right. I, I. so, yeah, I guess some people are probably like, is it a matter yeah. of consent? I who cares what I consent to? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can see my dick and balls in so many places. Like if you want to bimbo us, go right ahead. <laughs> I thought that was really fun when Chapo got bimbo fied. Like that was really cool. It's a great bit of fan engagement. If you want to inflate us like again, like oh, I get it. I'd prefer if you want to dress I- me up like Goku and inflate me. <laughs> I prefer that you didn't, but like, <laughs> okay, inflate, you have to. inflate me. <laughs> you have to exactly. Um, I'll give permission for AJ. Inflate AJ. That's fine. That's right. Inflate. <laughs> definitely inflate AJ. Um, do do like no, impreg with AJ. My experience with Fanon has been surprisingly good. I mean, yeah, you actually like, like the the thing is like I the reason I have a fan art hashtag is because I got too many followers into it. I I'm suffering from clout. Uh, but, sure. <laughs> but basically, my problem is that like notifications on Twitter just break when you have too many. Yeah, followers. oh, absolutely, so, especially yeah. now. So like people tagging me and stuff just stopped like working at all. Uh, so yeah. I started seeing people making fan art and it actually made me cry because like that is just like there's something so wonderful about like people yeah. taking like a character you made for yourself or commission for yeah. yourself and making their own art of it and that's why i created a fan art hashtag and it's incredible how much stuff there is in there there's like been less now now that i'm like not the relevant thing anymore but still hmm. there's something here and there and there was like the whole thing where, where the fucking scp foundation commissioned <laughs> art uh in, in the style of like the picture on my blog post and it's just 
I don't know. Like it's it's cool to have fan art, and I feel like giving it like a specific tag or something is useful yeah. to not yeah. only find it, but also like the the thing I feel like with fan art is that if you make it an official thing, people are gonna behave a little more than if it's oh, just sure. thing people just do on their own. Because if it's sure. an official thing, they know you're looking at it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. No, that's people, true. And, and like the important fan art is like important in many quotes, isn't the like weird fan art? It's just gonna yeah. happen anyways. Like that's yeah. Well, I, I, there's really no good elegant way to transition <laughs> from that back into fucking hackers. Yeah. Uh, but I'm gonna do my best. So one thing that I'm a fan of <laughs> that I might create art for. <laughs> <laughs> no fuck it We're is back. the empire state there building. we go there yeah. we go yeah a, a, uh, a great icon in the in the great city of new york we do city. love it don't we folks um, that's that's such a funny scene where they're like what's the it's it's like watching like a 90s Bollywood movie where it's like we're going to incorporate like the seven wonders of the world into right. a musical number. It's like we're we're hacking. We're in New York. So we're going to hack from the Empire State yeah, I, Building. I, I never really put much fun into that scene besides why are they on a building? But like, of <laughs> course, it's the Empire State Building. And why are like. But also, no, it, sh- it absolutely should not be. The Empire State Building. No. They're in Tribeca. They should have gone down to the World Trade Center. Yeah, that's but, the thing. Yeah. They should but have the put world... the World Trade Center in this movie. That would have yeah. made this movie infinitely better. <laughs> that's the true. World Trade Center is in this movie. There are a few shots kind of. of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. right. And I then they should get... The thing is, Josh, like, unless you're up close at the bottom, the World Trade Center was ugly. Yeah. And like so? the Empire State Building looks good. Oh, yeah. sure. The Empire State Building you know? does look good. like it's a really cool shot. It doesn't make yeah. sense, but it's like that. That is that sums up like every other shot in this movie. Yes, it's it's so cool. It looks oh, yeah. so good. Yeah. Why did they do that? Uh, because the whole reason this is where I started to also lose the thread a little bit. Honestly, yeah. like why do they have to go to the Empire State Building uh, to have so that Matthew no Lillard could howl? Well, yes, yes, yeah. mostly yes. that. I, I um, and also just for like the montage, I guess it's it's like it's for the same reason that Freak goes into the men's room and tapes the 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 floppy disk to it's just right, so the condom machine, so they can have a scene of Angelina Jolie looking really hot in a men's bathroom and being stared at and buying a condom. She as buys well. a condom. Uh, now Dade has to do he has to hack harder than he's ever hacked before and so now yeah now he's in an actual correspondence with plague they're right. messaging back and forth regularly and this is where i finally wrote i'm only an hour in yeah <laughs> the the thing is the next 40 minutes actually kind of go fast like yeah. like the pacing picks up but it really slows down first. Yeah. It's just yeah. like it, 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 there are times where it accelerates. There are times where it decelerates. Yeah, it's but very so hard much to tell. It's very hard to tell how far you're into this movie. Yes. There's yeah. so much that happens. The tempo changes all the time. There is like the really fast montage that like the montage feel like they made them to speed up time. But they're so long. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Like, like that, the, they're so long. There's so many shots. Those probably cost so much to make. Like, they didn't yeah. even like save money or anything. This is the montage here where Dade has to, you know, hack harder than he's ever hacked before. This is the most fucking 90s thing I have ever seen. Yeah. Where the, he's like getting in, he's like, well, I haven't. I haven't hacked in a long time, but he kind of like, you know, cracks his knuckles. It's like, gets like, <laughs> guess I better hack before because the disc 
has part of the garbage file on it. Yeah. And this is our MacGuffin. Well, and this was the confusing thing to me because I thought the garbage pile, garbage pile, the garbage <laughs> file was the, the honey pot. I thought that was the thing no, that the no. plague wanted them to download, but no, apparently no, the garbage file was his like worm yeah. that was stealing the money. That right. We're about, yeah. So that the garbage to figure out the garbage file yeah. is his actual original virus. The other virus, it's the, the thing other that virus he, is something that he, he didn't want. It's the one thing up. we didn't want to happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like it's so confusing, and it only gets more confusing because well, I, I do love the way that this montage is, where like you see him overlaid with like three dimensional animated images of like mm-hmm. helixes yeah. spinning around and fractals and all that bullshit. About the not understanding anything, I find it interesting how they did the thing you can do in like books where you don't reveal things to your audience until like the characters yeah. know it. But that doesn't right. make sense in movies when you're like watching it. And when yeah. you like, especially since we saw the other half of that, like we saw what the play was up to. Right. We, there's no actual there, revelation there, there is, here. There is no reason not to explain no. the thing until the characters realize it, <laughs> other than confusing the fuck out of the audience for no reason. It isn't a virus, it's a worm. What's this one eat? Oh, okay. It yeah. nibbles. You see all of this? This <laughs> is everything that worms do. They nibble. Conducts, yeah? From million dollar deals to the. Ten bucks that some guy pays for gas. The worm eats a few cents from each transaction. No one's caught it because the money isn't really gone. It's just data being shifted around. It's accent. And when the worm's ready, it's over the place. It's just data being shifted around. Just check it out. By this point, it's already running at what? Twice the speed is when it started. And at this rate, it ends its run in two days. Judging by this segment alone, man, it's already eaten about twenty-one point eight million bucks, man. Whoever wrote this. Need somebody to take the fall. And that's Freak, and that's Joey, and that's us. We gotta get the rest of the file so we can find out where the money's going before the worm disappears, so we can find out who created it. I know, I know who wrote it. What? This Ellenson security creep. They still don't really understand it until they're like reading that memo they randomly have suddenly oh, yeah. while they're on the subway, which I still right. don't get that scene. That scene does not make oh, I sense love the- to me. It's at New all. York. We got to get the take subway. subway. No yeah. other city in the world yeah, has a like subway. So you like got- <laughs> three other people in the subway and they're just really loudly talking about all the crimes they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> well, this again goes back to- That's what you to- can do in New York in the 90s, especially. It's like no yeah. one cares. This goes back to something <laughs> that I find so interesting about this movie is I had mentioned that there is tremendous specificity to the location scout. Yeah. The yeah. fact that, you know, the scenes mm. that we see shot that are identifiably New York City are all actually pretty close to each other. Yeah. But then you have these other moments that are just a set. The geographical specificity that this movie finds is not because it was written in a specific way or because, like, there was any sort of a... It, it's actually no. a very weirdly English movie, <clears throat> I, I, yeah. I found. Like, it, it felt like I was watching a British movie. Yeah, it's like because English people get really, really specific about where in London they are. Right. They really want you to know which which sector you're in. And so when they come to New York, they're like, oh, well, we got to be just as specific about this because Americans care about. But they didn't write it into the actual script. Yeah. Only the location scouts like took care of that specificity. It's it's the production team. And it's like the production team from location scouting to design to everything else is top notch. And and I mean, this was the 90s. I, I consider this kind of the golden age of like production design of set dressing of things yeah. that have to be there physically in the room mm-hmm. at all times and done to like 
the absolute maximum. Yeah, no, you're going like, to cover the walls with a, stuff. A surprising amount of thought went in the, into this movie. Like, yeah, that's like like that's why this movie is so hard to grasp is because it's both so 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 good and so so bad at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. It's it, it's simultaneously very specific and unfathomably broad. <laughs> yeah. Or to or, or to describe it in serial killers where it works, it's universally stupid. <laughs> universally stupid. That's universally stupid, man. Every time they have like a big scene where everyone there is talking, I'm like, why isn't all the dialogue just being given to serial killers? Well, that's, <laughs> that's another thing to the point of like how this movie is so all over the place. Matthew Lillard is on a different planet from everybody yeah. else in this movie. You can tell they found the theater actor. Like this is the guy <laughs> who di- who did New York theater, yeah. did Sterling Renaissance Festival. He like for all of it's like it's like his he was cursed by a witch to do voice acting for the rest of his life because the man wants to be on a stage. Yeah. <laughs> and and here yeah. it's just like I feel like that that part where Nikon figures out that Oh, you were zero cool, right? He finds yeah, out Dade right. was the guy who who hacked everything in the eighties. That should again, that should have been serial because serial yeah. would have made that no. scene so much weirder. That would have made so much more sense with serials as well, especially like like not the only reason they made it Nikon is because Nikon remembers the front page and they had to remind people right, he's for older. the upcoming yeah. for the upcoming scene. It was important <laughs> to rem- remind people that Nikon has a photographic memory and that's why right. he's oh, called true. Nikon. So he's got to hack. We got to hack the planet. We got to hack the planet. It's on our pagers. Yeah, I, I do <laughs> love how they just kind of coined that phrase in that movie and that just became a thing like hack the planet it goes so hard it doesn't mean oh, anything great. but it's so good jonathan larson wishes he could absolutely right? no actual reality bullshit this is hack the fucking planet <laughs> i got yeah, my rest joke like this movie is so good at coming up with taglines that, that's the impressive thing. I do feel like if they the writing team had more time, this would have been a masterpiece. But also, I feel like it would have been a worse move. Like, it would yeah. have been like... That's a, an interesting point. Like, I, I feel like a lot of, like, what makes this movie good is that it's not very good. Right. Like, yeah. I don't think if the story were good, this would be a boring movie. Well, like, it, it, we, we, we've, we talk about this on the show sometimes, about how, like, the most interesting art is what the art that takes the biggest swings. Yeah. And yeah. I agree that like a more polished version of hackers would probably be more coherent. There would be a lot of like narrative tissue that is missing that would be there, but it would be the at the expense of all of this weird shit that doesn't really fit, but but is just interesting to look at or to think about. Yeah, thankfully we get a movie where we get to see the phrase sit on my interface over and over again. <laughs> you know, the bad guys have got to launch the virus, I guess. Wendell Pierce secures arrest warrants for the hackers, but because they've gone and done some... They just break down all traffic in New York and yes. fucking yeah. roller skate on the roads while car crash. Oh, it's I guess I do need crash. to mention this before we get all the way to Grand Central. Because we haven't talked about them yet, but there are these two hackers oh, yeah. oh, right. that basically did the Max Headroom broadcast. They're Razor, Razor and, Blade. and Blade. But they also do it, I think, on a regular basis, it's implied. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like they just sort of, there's like a regular hacker channel. They also have their own club. Yeah, for some it. reason. And they're not in the club. They're sitting in the very quiet back room of the club <laughs> where there is a bed for some reason. And it's, I, I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be implied that they're like dating. Yeah. I can't like, tell. Oh, I can't tell if they're dating or if they're like gay brothers. 
Yeah, it's very. Definitely it could be gay, either, honestly. Like they're definitely I, gay. Yes. Yeah, and both of these guys are have been on Broadway, by the way. Oh. Uh, Peter Kim was in Thoroughly Modern Millie. Uh, Darren Lee was in Allegiance with George Takei. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was also in the movie adaptation of Chicago. Uh, Peter Kim, I also just have to say, was in a movie that a friend of mine directed, Cubby. Uh, nice. Very good movie. Check it out. And, but yeah, like it, it felt to me like they were a gay couple in yeah. this. No, I, it, it doesn't really dwell on it too much. It's just like they're the guys who can do TV broadcasts. Yeah. And, uh, but, but like they are just sitting on a bed together. And they're yeah, like, they're, in a, they're in a big bed. Yeah, <laughs> they're, the room that they find themselves in uh, is it really reminded me of like Deus Ex. How, they, like, mm-hmm. especially like in Human Revolution, how like th- there's these clubs where there's all this club stuff going on, and then if you go through the vents or whatever, you'll get into a random room in the back where there's just a guy who you can talk to, <laughs> a guy in yeah, kabuki no, it, makeup it, it on does, a bed. Like, like, like that whole thing, it has extreme side quest vibes. That entire yes. 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 they're just on a side quest to get the TV broadcast out in time, so like the final mission gets easier. Like that's, that's the right. vibes you get from <laughs> that entire thing. That's right. And if it were an immersive sim, then you would get like a uh, a keypad combination that would allow you to bypass the primary hallway full of guys yeah. with guns. Yeah. Um, so we needed to mention Razor and Blade because they are serving. It's it's gr- it's it's good. It's great are. stuff. A virus called Da Vinci will cause oil spills at 10:30 a.m. Eastern time tomorrow. It's somehow connected with the worm that's stealing your money. <laughs> we need your help to overload the Gibson so we can kill the Da Vinci virus and download virus. the worms. <laughs> She's like never She's made an rabbit. R sound before. But you are going to need more than just two media icons like us. You need an army. That's it. An electronic army. <laughs> if I were us, I'd get on the internet. <laughs> if I were us. Major I love that line so <laughs> much. The world the, the writing for them is How so are you going to take care of the cops? You see John Voight talk, and he just, you know, he's just like a grizzled old Texan or whatever. And then Angelina Jolie is like, I have never spoken English before. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. kind of words must I be saying now? A virus. A thing that I can't get over is Johnny Lee Miller's pronunciation of worm, which is different every single time he says it. Sometimes he does manage to hit the rhotic R and he says worm. In that clip, though, he very clearly says worm. Worm. And and sometimes he's like, I'm not going to hit the R, so I'm going to make it kind of sound more New York-ish. So it's like worm. Hey, I'm from New York and the worm. (laughs) Which he's not. The character's not from New York. The character's from Seattle. That's the other thing. Like, what is this accent, my guy? Uh, He has lived in New York for like well over two weeks at this point. Exactly. It's true. Yeah. You know, he's a kid. He's very impressionable. He picks up the lingo. But yes, it is now finally... At long last, time to hack the planet. And what hacking the planet looks like is you and your friends get your rollerblades on, because, of course, all good hackers have rollerblades. You go to Grand Central Terminal. You skate down to the uh, phone booths downstairs. It's important that, first of all, you break all the traffic lights so you can run away from the cops on your rollerblades. You jump over the cars as they're crashing into each other. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So you also have to do parkour like this movie was subversive because it doesn't also have a shootout at some point. Right, like that was right. their big thing. It was like, oh, yeah, no shootout. What well, we're still going to have the cars crashing. And we the don't have a shootout. Were like, OK, great. The hacking thing is the equivalent yeah. of a shootout where uh, once they get to Grand Central Terminal in the phone booths, they all get yep. their power books out. Um, 
Johnny Lee Miller has this fucking eyepiece thing that's totally unexplained. <laughs> he has a Wonderful scouter. costume choice. It's, it's to find out the power the levels. The power levels. <laughs> <laughs> so they deploy the first spike of their hack, uh, which I guess there's an office somewhere that now all of a sudden all of the computers have been taken over and they are reading out things such as sit on my interface Shit for brains and barf bag. Again, in case you somehow forgot that it was the 90s. Yeah, barf was like kind of an intense word to say back then. Yeah. Like it's a little, it's a little, little, little rough. You might want to say upchuck or spew mm-hmm, instead. Mm-hmm. I find that so interesting because like I'm obviously like English second language speaker and I yeah. generally don't really know very well which words are appropriate to say, which you can tell from how much I'm swearing across this entire yeah, podcast. Sure. Oh, we swear all but, the time. It's yeah, not, yeah, it's not no, a problem. It's just because I've definitely noticed that I swear a lot more than like the average American person who has grown up being told that that's a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure. Learn yeah. English. And if you just learn in English on the internet where everyone swears. Exactly. Just, yeah. <laughs> well, Ellie, as long as you're not using words such as barf. That, that would, yeah, no, I would never say barf. I would never say the B word. Uh, and, and, but as a result of this hack, we're now back in Penn Gillette's control room, right? And we're seeing the effects of all of these different hacks. And each hack is sort of thematically tied into the interests yes. of each of the hackers. And like their handle, which is tied to them. It's, it's in, I do like what, how they play with like char- characterization and yeah. stuff. One of the attacks is Cookie Monster shows up and it just says like cookie, cookie, cookie. And it's like, what should like I do? Pac-Man, Type yeah. in cookie, obviously. <laughs> I, I love I love this because they they did like, I, I like the previous hacking scenes where it was so heavily stylized that it yes. didn't matter. And now they pretend that it's a serious thing and it gets kind of silly because oh, they, so silly. they pretend that it really is what's happening on the screens. It's like, oh yeah, the rabbit is eating the memory or whatever. And the sound design once again. The rabbit is so in the good. administration system. Send a flu shot. Rabbit flu Send shot. Flu. Someone talk to me. Someone talk to me. Replicates till it overloads a file, then it spreads like cancer. Cancer? Cancer? <laughs> I definitely have breast cancer. But I don't know why they put her in this scene other than being like, haha, women's stupid. It's literally, but... that's it. That's all it is. But but then but then you, on the other hand, also have Angelina Cholito. But I guess the way she's characterized, they yeah. can pretend she's not a woman because she's characterized as like this lesbian, like, She's definitely a lot yeah, more masculine. Yeah. Like, yeah. She, I feel like that's why, like, they can get away with letting her know about things. Well, and I think the other reason they have her here is just to remind you that she exists since she is supposed to get arrested at the end. Oh, right. Yeah, they don't right. want people to go like, wait, who is she? They're like, oh, yeah, that's that lady. Chekhov's <laughs> lady really who is going <laughs> to get arrested. <laughs> yeah, it's sh- shout out to this random lady who isn't really very relevant to the plot at all, other than like constantly getting fucked over by everyone. Uh, so yeah, now everyone's hacking back and forth. Oh, like we said, the collective is beating the individual. We have the global network of free information global all coming homo, in. Hacking <laughs> all coming the planet. in and, and, and pummeling this computer with the worst keyboard I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, the keyboard is so... Uh, the you fact have to that they sink show, your fingers into it. The show close-ups of it is so <laughs> funny to me. Why would you show... Like, it's so clear that it's just like acrylic glass. Like, they're not even Yeah, they've hiding, just drilled holes in a big plastic sheet. They're not even hiding sheet. the prop work. And it's... This, yeah. I, I kind of yes. admire that, but also why did they put those... Like... Oh. <laughs> It's also my second. This is this. This then leads to my second favorite shot in this movie. Again, mm. number one being the 
skateboarding by and grabbing yeah. the disc <laughs> where the phone booths start spinning around on, on their own yeah. axis. Like yeah. this is not uh. a tracking shot going around the phone booth. No, this the is they set a phone booth on a turntable. They put the camera there and they just like let them spin. And it's especially weird because they're in a bank of phone booths. They're in like the classic like you know, like an airplane when all the reporters yeah, run to the phone booth and they right. knock it over. And there's somehow exactly the right number of people for the amount of phones. <laughs> yes. yes, yes. And so they're, they're because, freaking because they and they're using the phones. they a way to fix the phones. Right. Yes. And let Joey take the wheel because that's important to at the end be like, no, they know I will like Joey. They're not bullies, by the way. I also uh, just yeah. wanted to point up the absolutely wild moment where Serial uh, finishes wiretapping one of the phones and he like comes out from under the desk and is like, <laughs> like flailing all over the place. Yeah, so we've got the spinning phone booths we and do. we've got we've got the secret service is like on their way to bust these guys. And so you're getting a lot of yep. cross cutting. You're getting the hack. They got to get the hack. They got to get it all out there. They got to do it. We, we also kind of get like a Tron thing here. I yep. had mentioned this earlier, but like there's a few shots in this movie that really remind me of Tron where you're sort of like flying through a digital world. Yeah. Um, and most of the time, this is fairly like this is just used as an interstitial, like it cuts between. But in this moment, we're really like flying through these towers. We're on the grid, up. man. It speeds yeah. up. Yeah, 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 and yeah, then, yeah. then we end up at the garbage fail once yeah. again. We're finally. We did it. We did it. And there's a, a great part where <laughs> the plague says they're going for the colonel. <laughs> and the lady says, Colonel who? That is actually so funny, though. That is a really good line. That's also just straight up stolen from Tron. But, you know, much like how they defeat the Master Control program at the end of mm. Tron, Joey eliminates the virus here. Uh, yeah. he, he finally... The oil tankers don't sink. We get a single right. shot of an oil tanker that's hitting some rough waters. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It almost crashed, but then it And didn't. I think it's... I think it's video too. It's like kind of low quality yeah. footage. Yeah. But, and, then, and then like the secret service shows up and they show up, but they show up like to the wrong phone. The booth wrong because, phone booth? Because they, they like wired them up to the other phones. Like I'm right. pretty sure that's what they imply with serial go fix the phones. But they're yes. still, the thing is they're still at Grand Central Terminal. They're just yeah, in a different phone shot. It's absolutely shot at the exact same set because it looks exactly the same way as the other one. Yeah. And it's really, really funny to me how they didn't make it in any way look different from the other location. No. Because the first time I watched that movie, I didn't get what was happening. No. And then they're suddenly like arrested like a few seconds yeah. later. So but not they're before, getting not out. before, I want to point this up, but mm. not before we get a message on the screen in the company that says mess with the best, best die like, like the, rest. the rest calling yeah. back the beginning of the movie. And so like, you know, the virus has been destroyed. The oil tankers aren't going to sink. Uh, something has happened with the worm. Someone is up playing with a worm and uh, <laughs> <Come> on. <laughs> sorry. Uh, <laughs> and, and for some reason you have the plague and um, the woman like celebrating afterwards. They're like, well, they got arrested. Everything else has gone to shit, but yeah, let's because toast the to ourselves. Not over yet. This yeah. movie still has like 15 but minutes left. I was like, it. why is there this weird celebratory scene where they both just like clink glasses no. and kind of yeah. awkwardly drink their champagne? 
Yeah. Like they've never held a glass before. Yeah, no, that scene is so awkward. <laughs> I don't know how many regions they did of that one inconsequential scene for them to get so annoyed at the concept of drinking champagne. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're like mad. They are definitely mad about being there. Also, I do just like the thing that I don't think we have mentioned this yet, but like the place, like the plague lifts out. It's like at a nerdy like lounge like uh, studio apartment or something. Yeah, it's like all it's, concrete. It's a real <laughs> also, But it's also like very like villain coded. Like yes, it's yes, very yes. like super villain coded, but also very austere. A lot and of there's concrete. There's the whole thing where he's like playing in VR, uh, <laughs> and it's the stupidest scene ever. <laughs> Again. Would that scene have ended up in a better movie? Probably no, not. No, especially especially since like I still don't know why Agent Gill can just walk into the home of right. play. <laughs> but also, just like- watching Fisher Stevens react to what he is seeing in his VR goggles, which we never actually get the chance to see. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Yes. I loved yeah. it. Everyone's been hauled over. Well, not everyone, but some of the hackers have been hauled over to the police station, right. the Secret Service no, police station. We still have the important <laughs> thing of while they're getting arrested, there's the the thing that is never really explained, but they mm. is giving a code to Serial who has not been arrested. Yes. Oh, yeah. he and he keeps talking about they are trashing our rights. <laughs> they're trashing our rights. Trash, trash, trashing trash. the free data they're in the trash can. <laughs> Go in the door. <laughs> Look at the trash keeps, can. And then he just starts screaming, hack the planet, and he screams <laughs> out of the window. Serial does so too, and somehow doesn't get arrested for cheering on criminals while they get arrested. Uh, yeah, right. Like nothing well, happens we have to free him, speech and they just let him walk True. into the scene of the crime like two minutes later. Yes. <laughs> but, but the thing is, the NYPD... And go through the trash without anyone being yeah, like, no, uh, that, excuse that, that me. That scene is so funny. They just... Just the scene of him going through the trash while so many people watch him. It's just- Look, here's the, here's the thing that I need to explain just to, to everybody and to our listeners as well. Mm. The New York Police Department, New York's mm. finest, mm. would never arrest mm. anybody who hadn't actually done something wrong. If somebody is just like yelling, they're never going to arrest somebody just for yelling. No, not especially not when Giuliani's mayor. But yes, uh, the, because of that trash coded message uh serial now has the MacGuffin again the fucking floppy with the data and uh so johnny lee miller's now in the lockup with uh fucking uh angelina jolie yeah Yeah, for some reason they just put them in the same room together why not uh will his future let them flirt exactly Uh, and by the way this is another situation where it's like you can see how I mean, they must have been fucking throughout this entire movie because they, oh, yeah. they end up going to get they, they, got, they got married, married after like, this. a few <laughs> and months later. So 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 the director here too, um, Ian Softly got them all to take like rollerblading lessons. Oh, when they yeah. were doing this, they even were able to get like like NYPD or, or some like safety commission in the city was doing lessons in Bryant Park, teaching people how to stop on roller skates because everyone was rollerblading at this time. Uh, so. <laughs> Apparently, during the shooting of train spotting, they like drove Danny Boyle insane because they were always just rollerblading. Like, <laughs> <laughs> if only they had a, a roller derby hacker disco arcade that they could have gone to to practice right? skating there yeah. instead. They were ahead of their time. Will Dade go to jail? Will his future be ruined forever? Well, what, and, and, and his, his mom, right? His mom, his mom for some reason talk. <laughs> the, the, the thing about this movie is that everyone loves talking to cops for the, some reason. Yes, <laughs> we should. We actually should probably really mention that. That like, don't yeah. talk to cops. Don't ever. talk to the police. 
at any possible opportunity to incriminate themselves, they just go right ahead and do it. They have his mom being like, look, he's a genius with a very specific set of skills, but just hacking <laughs> big corporations. He loves to hack. He loves to do it. And he loves like, to hack. Like, he, like I, I find it interesting they never specifically mention it, but it is very clear that they intended for Day to be autistic, uh, but like not too autistic. So they didn't put it in the script, but like, it's just like, that's just his set. Of, he doesn't know how to do anything else. Like right. he doesn't even have a girl. Like that was like the, hope, the first yeah, time he's we a see virgin. his mom is, 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 is him like asking if he's still a virgin. And yeah. <laughs> like, it's just, yeah. Well, it's, it's like weird- Johnny Lee Miller. Like, yes. <laughs> I've never had sex. I've never had sex. <laughs> Johnny Lee Miller's whole performance throughout, I mean, setting aside the accent work, which I've kind of already commented on, like the performance itself is so all over the place. Like there are points at which, especially in that first scene and, yes, when he gets I'm mad at his mom and like takes a shower because he's so mad about it. Like he actually does. So, I think he's red, mad and nude. I th- literally. <laughs> and I do think that he reads as on the spectrum in that moment, honestly. But then there are other parts where it's like, no, like he's just yeah, a cool no. guy now. I don't. Yeah, I, I, he's a movie star. Like, there's not a lot of consistency in this movie. That's what makes it beautiful. He's, he's, yeah, he's at the station, and Matthew Lillard has done his own. He's gone to Razor and Blade, and he's done yeah, his own. And Max he's enjoying the fact that he's on TV. But they this time they hacked like all the TV stations and all the screens and uh, yep. Times Square and everything. And I think and we have the clip. Reason. We got yes. the clip. Yeah, let's just okay. let's, let's play the whole thing out. A virus called Da Vinci that when launched would cause Ellingson mineral tankers to capsize was to be blamed on innocent hackers. But Love these passive voice. Smoke screen, right? What <laughs> could be so vitally important to protect that someone would create such a, a nasty, antisocial, very uncool virus? Now it's in Times Square. Square. Yeah. <laughs> could be to cover the This broadcast is everywhere. I like that there's sound with the broadcast. Yes. Password for the time we belongs to Margot, head of public oh relations for Ellington Mineral, and <laughs> Eugene Belfort, computer security officer. Son of oh a my. bitch! <laughs> Is this the unnamed account in the Bahamas where the money was to be stashed? I think so. I think so. <laughs> Yo. I feel like God. <laughs> and then this shot where it echoes out, you're just looking at a satellite it's hovering awesome. over yeah, Earth. It's so cool. It's so over the top. I, I love it. This also so, yeah, pays he put off. the like routing number of the secret bank account like in the lower third of the TV. Right. And it's like, good, now you have to unarrest us. Yeah, <laughs> we did a crime, but uh, we did it for good. Please unarrest yeah. us, liberal cops. <laughs> <laughs> unarrest us. And they do. They, they unarrest do. them. They're like, like, well, you did a good thing, I guess. It's like that. this would never happen. No. They, they have everything still... that they need to prosecute. Like, you wouldn't. Yeah. What? Yeah, you just you just extra admitted to the crime. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you just admitted. Ex- yeah. Now we have one more person we can arrest. Hell yeah. But Wendell Pierce is like, Ah, I've been defeated. (laughs) No, but I like the thing where this isn't very explicit, but he runs away without her. Without his, Uh, Right, the plague runs. Yeah, Yeah, the plague runs. So the plague disappears. The lady gets arrested. She's like, I ain't ever even touched a computer in my life. And then the plague is like on a private jet (laughs) in, in a disguise. 
And what did he call himself? Mr. Convincing Babbage? old man getup of all time. He looks like Nick Kroll. He looks <laughs> exactly like Nick Kroll in this scene. And he's immediately caught. Like, like by Wendell Pierce. Pierce. Wendell Pierce pops plane. up behind him. Yes. Yeah. And then that's the movie. Oh, no, wait. Then we Not get quite. to the date. We get to the date. Gotta we do the get date. the date. We, we need to at the final moment to remind you all again. This is a romance movie. This uh, is like, okay, so the rest of this movie has been bad. In a fun way, this scene pisses me off because Why is that? here she is. She's wearing the dress. He's wearing a big coat as they're walking down the street. It's also a it's a dress like coat. I will say that, too. It's, yes, it's, it's definitely. And so she's and like, I, I still can't believe that they said that you won the hacking competition, whatever. What he should have done at that moment is take off the coat and he's and also be wearing, wearing a dress. dress. Yeah. Yes. That's the movie. And they didn't do it. The cowards. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I generally don't know why they didn't do it, especially since he then is like, oh, well, they didn't think I would get a date any other way. But she mm-hmm. literally wanted a date. She was like, but but otherwise you also wear a dress. That yeah, she already the changed the terms so that it was a date no matter what. It was it just was about who like, wore a dress. I do find that funny, though, because they went from one of them will get a date and the other person wouldn't get a date to right, yeah. what if we raise the stakes? We both get a date. <laughs> yeah. <Either way. laughs> but it's like also... He he wanted to wear the dress. He wanted Clearly. it so bad. Like as a character, there is no reason for yes. him to not be wearing that dress at the end. It's it's Chekhov's dress. You need yeah. the dress to happen. <laughs> yes. He needs to wear it. And so they start swimming in what is clearly an indoor pool. Yeah. But then there is this tracking shot that Very goes up. It's digitally yeah. composited that they're actually swimming in a rooftop pool. He hacked some skyscrapers to say crash and burn on right, them. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, yeah, the credits roll. That's, that's kind of cute, the whole like crash and burn thing. That I yeah. actually like that at the end. It's, it's just very, very sad that, yeah. They start making out. Uh, and, and I thought that was the end because the credits started to roll, but then they started to become nude as the credits <laughs> rolled. Yeah. So that was interesting. Uh, but they don't actually become nude, which again... Cowards. Cowards. Yeah, cowards. Like, like they already showed her tits. Why can't they show his thing? Show <laughs> his dog. What is this fucking movie? I have no idea, but it's culturally so much more important than it ever should be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's 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 interesting because like my exposure to hackers, I didn't know this movie existed in the 90s. Yeah. Right. Because I was four years old when it came out and it made no impact, came and went. And then I remember seeing people on like, I don't know, Reddit or something like 10 years ago being like, this movie's fucking weird. Like, this is very strange. Look at how crazy the costumes are. This is what the 90s was just like on on even more cocaine than the regular 90s. And now it's it's very obviously like a thing. Everyone's just like, this is awesome. Well, I do think the costumes have a lot to do with that. You mentioned the costumes like that is, I think, the thing that stands out from this show. I'm going to link in the episode notes. Uh, there was a slideshow that was published by Dazed not too long ago where the costume designer actually dug up some old Polaroids of yeah. like behind the scenes costume fitting shit. It's incredible. This is such an interesting time capsule. And I think the film is so aesthetically strong, Yeah, even mm. though it's in service of a very strange script. And yeah. I also just had the feeling while I was watching it of like, God damn. I was technically alive at the point that this movie was yeah. made, but I feel so old now watching this. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I find this movie interesting because like 
I was not alive at the time. I, I was born in 1999. I like, yeah, I, I was very much not alive. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I feel very connected to it in a way. And it yeah. is entirely through the cultural impact this had on like the hacking subculture. A lot yeah. of it, like with like levels of irony to it, at least at first. But like so many of these quotes and things just keep popping up, like hack the planet and like hackers of the world yeah. behind and things like that. They're always like half ironic, but that's like what most like mainstream culture has as an impact on like subcultures. Yeah, right. right. It's that it's like kind of semi-ironic. And I don't know. I'm the, the thing the thing you will hear, the thing many people will comment on like this podcast episode is sneakers is better and sneakers is objectively so much better of a hacker movie but sneakers is a movie about some old guys doing some hacking and some social engineering sure that's, yeah that's cool and good and it's an interesting movie but it's a good movie and this is a terrible movie and that's why it's so great yeah like this this movie just makes you like think things and it makes you feel emotions about a time that never existed. It's it's a very nostalgic movie yeah. about something that never happened. Like I watched yeah. this movie and I long for for like this time and I wasn't there and it never existed. Yeah, but, yeah it wasn't like this at all. There was a lot more church. Um <laughs> like <laughs> true. This, yeah. this is New York City. And yeah, this- like, like that's why like I feel like that's why it's interesting. I feel like they from the start, managed to make a nostalgic movie without, while trying to capture current things. And they were trying to be future things. looking. Like it's yeah. not even, but it, it does feel it's a specific vision of the future so trapped in the past. What yeah. were you going to say, Brian? No, but like that's why I find it, but that's why I find it interesting. It's mm. not very explicit. It's not set in the yeah. future. I'm yeah. pretty yeah. sure it's set in 1995 oh, based on is. the timeline. Yeah. Which makes it interesting that it's technically a sci-fi mu- movie. Right. Because like they yeah. could have pretended this is like the future, but that would have made the movie boring. Pretending yeah. that it's the 90s is what makes this so good. I yeah. feel like alternate future 90s as a concept of doing that in the same year as your alternate future is very interesting because like you can mix it with like the real things and people will feel nostalgic for it even though you made shit up and you just and and i don't know like the thing that definitely got down is like the style of it all like even even like from the from the like narration point of view like there there's a style there like there is a they have a very clear like kind of thing they're going for with like actually doing an anti-establishment thing and yeah like it's just it just falls flat but that's why it's good yeah like i I said it's like five times already now but like (laughs) if this movie were good like if they managed to pull off what they probably wanted to it wouldn't be that good yeah, right. it would well, be a boring ass movie. It would be so fucking boring. And the reason this movie is good is because it's incredibly confusing. It doesn't make sense, but it's pretty to look at and has the best soundtrack like any '90s movie yeah. I've ever watched has. That well, I and there's like this movie. Of. There's this movie that came out the exact same year called The Net with Sandra Bullock. Right, and it's it's a perfectly middle of the road movie. The way that they like depict computers and their screens is actually pretty realistic. It looks like the nineties. It looks like the way things looked back then. And it just sucks. Like no one cares. No one remembers it. Um, And like if, if hackers had been successful too, it would have spawned sequels. It would have had like a Saturday morning cartoon and everyone would have gotten sick of it. But especially as a counterculture thing, but because it failed 
and had to be rediscovered that everyone's like oh this rocks the reason it's so good is that they made a pop culture thing that never like went off yeah Yeah. like that's very clearly what they were aiming for they were trying to create like but like yeah and that's why i find it interesting as like a piece of pop culture because it's still a piece of pop culture inside sub communities and it has influenced it has influenced so much without people ever having heard of it. That's why I say it's yeah. like the worst, best movie you've never heard of from the <laughs> yeah. On this show, one of the biggest things we talk about is reactionary narratives in popular culture. How mm-hmm. when you look at a piece of media, so often what you see in it is a reflection of the bad shit that existed contemporaneously yeah. in culture at the time. And I think there's a little bit of this, but I also think that narratively there is quite a bit in here that subverts it. And I'd be curious to hear what both of you think about it in terms of being subverting versus uh, undermining, you know, the prevailing. That's also why I find that interesting. It's like they very clearly try to do like an anti-establishment movie because they tried to depict the subculture and they didn't decide to depict it as a negative because that's what you often get with movies about countercultures where they pretend we're making the punk movie and then it's like, haha, punk's bad at the end of the day anyways because like some exec was like, we can't make this. My son's a punk. We can't call them good. Or yeah, yeah it's like so, watching like, it's like watching cruising for gay culture and it's just like yeah. what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, no, like that that's why I find it interesting because that there is like like that's why I, what I said about like the transphobic scene is that to me it doesn't read as very transphobic. It reads as yeah. like more of accidental transphobic, which doesn't excuse it obviously, but yeah. it's just right. like it's it's just interesting to me how they very clearly like try to make a movie and i'm not sure like obviously i don't expect the directors or writers or anything to in any way be actually interested in any of those subversive things but the fact that they managed to make an actually subversive movie with such little time and like yeah i don't know it's it's impressive yeah it's it's so interesting to have an ending especially from this era of a of a movie where the whole point is that the only way to defeat this is by having disparate people from all over yes. the world mm. all realize that they have a common goal together and only by coming together can they take down the individual, um, the bosses, the Yeah, and also especially like, it, it is like the way the cops are depicted, the way Gil is depicted, the cops are all fucking stupid. They're stupid except, as hell. Except for the one cop who secretly loves like that hacking manifesto they read out, but he gets <laughs> yeah. shat on by all the other cops. Right. And, and he's written in a very interesting way where when he goes undercover to this house party at Kate's place, uh, which he's there. I don't know how many people notice that, but he's undercover nope. at that party. Uh, you see him for like one shot. He is there. He's at that party and he's actually somewhat enjoying it. You can tell that he's kind of like, but yeah, no, he's spying on them at the party. It's not relevant to the movie at all. It doesn't show up anywhere else in the plot, but he's at that party, like the, the twink yeah. cop. Um, well, I, I think I think this stands in interesting contrast too to something like, say, 24, which we've talked about on this show, mm. where that is also a show about surveillance, about, you know, using high tech ways to you know, hack shit and find the bad guys. But the good guys are the cops. The good guys are the cops. Jack Bauer is a cop and you're expected to align yourself behind him. That's not what this movie is. It is shockingly subversive. The fact that all of this got greenlit somehow, like even the non like subculture things, but like, because you you don't need to understand the hacking bit to understand that cops are not portrayed well in this, or well, they're portrayed well, but not well in the sense of positively. Um, Right. (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, they could have. We could have had these characters as punks in a way that they're just like all guys with leather jackets and mohawks yeah. and sunglasses, yeah. and they're like, "No, we're gonna give Matthew Lillard pigtails." Yeah, like th- we're gonna say like what the style is, what you think is cool right now is actually we're gonna be moving past that. No, this is the style of the future. Interesting because that didn't at all depict hackers at the time, and not right. the no. stereo, the stereotype. Like we are now coming to a point which is funny because it's probably largely because of me, where the image, <laughs> the public image of hackers is queer people, and I'm glad that we are finally at yeah. that point because it's for a long time technically been what hacking is as a community, mm-hmm. but it's just never been like seen that way by it's the not popular image. Yeah, yeah. 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 But I feel like it's interesting that that is now shifting and that that movie kind of sort of predicted that in a way. Yeah. Um, well, and th- that's that's why it's interesting. I want to read a little bit again, talking about like success, like seeing this as a Hollywood product versus seeing this as like a failed thing that people latched on to. Yeah. When the movie came out, of course, this was back when every movie had its own dot com website to promote it. The website got hacked. Yeah. Um, and the, the text is hosted still on DefCon.org. And this is what the page said. Ha, you fools installed gatekeeper, thinking it would protect you from the more evil denizens of cyberspace. Damn. But no, we, the Praetorians, have been forced to prove our worth to the lesser mortals at MGM United Artists. (laughs) (laughs) They ignored our screenplay for the movie Praetorians, choosing instead to call it hackers and base it upon some adolescent compulsive masturbators who hold not one-tenth of our supreme skills in their puny hands. Damn. Regrettably, I was forced to fake my death at the hands of Sandra Bullock, but now I have wreaked revenge. That's referencing the net. Right. Now I have wreaked revenge on those who doubted my technique, uh. which incidentally is very good as an independent <laughs> contractor for the Internet Liberation Front or ILF. While they offer no medical or dental insurance schemes, <laughs> they supply me with the necessary Uber tools. Uber tools is spelled UB3RT00LZ. Oh. Yeah. To bust root on your puny boxes. <laughs> Great circle, I urinate upon your firewall. Sidewinder, I defecate into your general direction. There's a little bit more, but then it ends with cyber rights now, death to Exxon, free Mitnick. Hell yeah. It's, it's, yeah, the movie wasn't very well liked in the community at that, which makes sense. Like, why would yeah. you like a movie about your subculture being made by fucking MGM? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that, that already just conceptually sounds bad. Like, you don't even have to watch the movie to know that it's probably not accurate. Uh, and, like, yeah, it wasn't accurate at all. But the culture shifted around that movie. Like there's so many references to this now and and which is like part of the whole aesthetic of this movie is that it's incredibly cringe. Uh, yes. But, <laughs> well, but like I, um Topiary. Topiary said that like hackers was a big influence for him to get into hacking yeah, in the first uh, place. Like, yeah. And like that this and and he's you know, he's a little bit old school now because he was like one of the original yeah, anonymous from, and like, lulz set guys. People, yeah. yeah. And so like this, this and I, I do find it interesting how I kind of like am bringing that back as a movie, which like yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm glad I'm using my cloud to talk about this movie on every podcast I possibly <laughs> Absolutely. Have. Because more people need to watch this movie. More people who aren't into they hacking do. need to watch this movie because it's good. It's it's bad, but it's good. Like 
it's an, it's a very enjoyable watch even if you don't understand what's happening at all like that that's that's the one thing i will promise you even if you don't like the movie you will like watching it uh yeah it's just it's a well-made movie it, it's uh, the same really, thing <laughs> like if people want to get a sense of the 90s and i think to understand today we really have to understand the 90s and like the just before two, uh, um september 11th era yeah like i always tell people to watch josie and the pussycats yep and this uh i'm adding hackers to the list because that is another movie that really tells you this is what it felt like to be in the 90s in some bizarre way well, my, you mentioned being cringe. We, of course, are proudly cringe here. Yes, we of love course. being I, cringe. I didn't mean to say cringe as a negative. But. No, we, we, we're reclaiming <laughs> we cringe. cringe. And yeah. uh, in the spirit of being cringe, uh, is there anything that you would like to specifically like say or pitch or direct people toward or anything like that in just, a very just, overt just, cringe way? Just watch hackers and 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 hack the planet. Like that, that's oh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's really my message. I I keep trying to get that into TV news reports, uh, but they keep cutting it. They, they're always yeah. like, "Do you have anything else you want to say?" And I just scream, <laughs> "Hack the planet!" <laughs> into the Zoom call, and they somehow never include that, which is surprising because like every single like American cable news interview I've given so far was obviously edited for sensationalism. Yeah, so right, why right, they right. don't include me just saying dumb shit out loud is surprising. Well, I uh, like to think that every time you say it, Matthew Lillard is like sitting in his home, oh, yeah. feels a disturbance in the force and just shouts out, hack the planet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and no, uh, also, also, yeah, Matthew Lillard, if you're for some fucking reason listening to us, please follow me on Twitter. And, just <laughs> <follow me on. laughs> uh, and we, of course, just wanted to take a moment to uh, pitch our cringe to you. If you've enjoyed if you've enjoyed what you've heard today, there's plenty more like it on patreon.com slash worst of all. Every other episode, of course, is paywalled. So if you give us five bucks, you'll get access to all that good shit. Maya, thank you so much for, uh, you know, giving us your time today, coming on the show. Yeah, and uh, fun. I will. I always love rambling about hackers. Also, one <laughs> other thing, uh, one other cringe thing to say. Yes. You host yes. the podcast and you want me to come on and talk mm. about hackers for way too many hours. <laughs> I'm willing to just do the exact same thing again. I don't care. I will do this for every podcast. I'm sorry. This is not an exclusive deal. You didn't make me. Oh, that's perfectly fine. <laughs> we will promote it as well. Yep. So yep. I guess I'll just close it out by saying hack the planet. Hack I'm the worst the of all possible Joshes. <laughs> I'm the worst of all possible Brian's. And see you next week everyone.